Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. 184. My name is Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. Alrighty. So, okay. Two yes. or three of us have. Two or three of us we know have seen it. Have you seen it, Chris? Oh yeah, I saw it today. Okay. Oh yeah. Ooh, oh, so it. we can talk uh, talk Guardians. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert. Spo- we're yeah, we're going to spoil movie. the fuck out of Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. You've, you've had a week. Let's let's put that at the end though, so we have something to look forward to. Oh okay. Because we got too much dark shit that we need to get out today. let's try and end on an up note this time all right well then yeah spoiler alert is at the front of the episode you have time yeah well we'll give we'll do it at the very end so we can if you haven't seen it yet you can just cut out of the podcast and save it come back after you've seen it or just be spoiled because you don't give a fuck yeah well then i guess what's the first dark thing we want to dive into well i know while it didn't give me as much joy as I got from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, um, actually hearing that Comey got fired by Trump this week, I did. I think I squealed, actually. I was driving in my car, and I was like, eee! <laughs> the good news is you're fired. Dude, he got too close, man. That's, didn't were we talking about that on Tuesday after the Weedsman? It's like, he got, too, he got too close. That's what happened here. Yeah, well, it was a couple days after he had actually went to Congress and asked, well, they were, they were questioning him in a private session and they, uh, he had told the Congress when asked that, uh, that he would like to have more funds to hire more people to do this investigation on the ties between Russia and Trump's administration. And so, yeah, it was, you know, a couple days after that, that all of a sudden he's let go for the supposed reason of fucking up the shit with Hillary's emails. Like, I was mad back then. <laughs> I'm still a little bad about it now. I think I said that I, at first that I supported the decision to f- fire him. It's just obvious that that's not the reason why. But I don't even, I don't know that I actually support the, the firing itself or the concept of firing over, firing him over how he mishandled uh, the investigation on Hillary's emails. Because, because I guess I, and maybe I'm still naive, but I guess I do believe him when he, when he says that he ultimately means well. You know, he did say that he felt ill uh, at the concept of actually causing Hillary to lose the election. So I kind of have some sympathy for this guy. I'm surprised that if he was going to get fired, that wouldn't have been back then. But uh, it's so irritatingly obvious and almost fun to hear the excuses from Trump's administration. All these people who are so sunk deep into this. And I don't even think it's a question of, am I right or wrong? Like, did I hitch my, did I hitch myself to the, the wrong wagon? And I'm, am I going to go down with it? It's just like, no, they, they're going to apparently fight to the end with this idea of that he that Comey wasn't fired for political reasons, wasn't fired for uh, getting too close in his investigation of Trump. Actually, Trump puts in his letter 
that on three different occasions Comey told him that he was innocent. That Trump himself was not... They haven't found any evidence pointing toward him. (laughs) Quote, no evidence, unquote. Which is... That's hilarious. Oliver... Why would you put, and that's not the same thing, why would you put no evidence in quotes? It sounds like you're fucking making that shit up. Right. <laughs> like, quote, no evidence. No, you put, no, you're not supposed, no, wrong. Yeah, we found no, like, I don't think, I don't think Donald Trump, under, I don't think our president understands quotation marks. Right. And so this firing is all supposedly from a recommendation from, uh, from Rosenstein, the assistant or deputy? No, the deputy attorney general. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fucking fired. Who, who was recently confirmed, and is going to be, since uh, the Keebler Elf has recused himself. Uh, it's Rosenstein's job to oversee the investigation now, and he writes up this half-ass letter of reasons of why they could get rid of Comey, hands it off to Trump. And for some reason, Jeff Sessions, who just can't seem to stay out of trouble, starts getting invited, has an opinion about this, actually recommends to Trump, yes, we should fire Comey. Aren't you supposed to be recused, sir? The person who had to recuse himself from the investigation because he lied to Congress, lied to Al Franken, about, about meeting with the Russians... And now he's recommending that the, the 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 director of the FBI be fired. The same person who is heading up that investigation in the FBI. So Jeff, Jeff Sessions, who found the answer to the question, how do you make Al Franken more insufferable, lie to his face. <laughs> so, uh, what is it? Um, oh, what's the the chick's name? Huckabee Sanders? Is she related to Mike Huckabee? Maybe. I think she's got to be. Uh, she looks like a Huckabee. It's not <laughs> Huckabee's but, not exactly a name that you get to the phone book. But oh, she's whoa, joke for old people, and there's you know two pages of it. <laughs> she's the one. It looks like is going to be taken over for Sean Spicer when he gets the can, which rumor has it is going to be soon. Uh, no one's no one's reached out to Bill. Well, they've yeah. Well, do it live. <laughs> Fucking thing sucks. I mean, Sean Spicer just—he basically pissed his pants on television. What if I hear and, about him hiding in the bushes? Are we going to well, get to that? Right. So they just kind of sprung this whole thing. They when they sent the letter to fire Comey, they sent it, a courier over to his office. He wasn't even there. They had no idea that he was out of town on a speaking engagement. So it comes out like. Comey finds out that he's fired through the media, as does Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer doesn't get a heads up. So he's talking about some totally different issue, and everyone starts going, hey, we just found out the FBI director got fired by Trump. What do you have to say about that? He has no prepared statement. He says they can't answer any questions. He fumbles, he fumbles, finally calls it off. And he was outside of the White House, I guess, trying to get to his, his office, and there were journalists everywhere. So yeah, he had a small group of of his staff and a and a few reporters, and he had them, he he had them like no lights, no pictures, 
we'll just sit here by this bush, hope nobody else sees us, and I'll answer a few questions for you. It was like the Looney Tunes, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's what like, I was like, yeah, is the Benny Hill theme playing? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, yeah, and one of you pick up the bush and walk with it as we make our way across the promenade. <laughs> and he tiptoes, and you hear tink, 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 every step. Tink, 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 tink. <laughs> well, I, we knew. Seriously, you had to know it was only a matter of time for John Spicer anyway. I'm sorry, what was that? I, I was just saying. I, hey, we have actual oh, audio of Sean oh. Spicer. <laughs> this guy is just a sacrificial lamb anyway. Well, I was just going to say, how how cartoonish and absurd at times has this administration been so far? Like, I, there, someone had to be holding a bush. Like, someone got paid to hold a bush. Here, Sean, walk behind this bush. That's, wow. This is our, this is our federal government. These are people that just passed a trillion dollar budget, ladies and gentlemen, to keep operating. <laughs> hope we hope we all feel good with our choices we've made in the last few years. So, yeah. The, so the big question is: just uh, the beginning of the end. Is this what really gets him? I mean, clearly he has the the law on his side when it comes to firing the FBI director whenever he feels like he wants to. But it's not a very common thing. And to do it in the midst of an investigation against his, his administration... Did he skip senior like, year government class? Was that his skip period? Like, he knows he didn't get elected right. king, right? Right. Like, it yeah, just, if, if, this was, if this was a movie, I would be saying that he was actually innocent and there was a twist somewhere involved because this is way too fucking obvious the way they just did it. Like... As Nobody's that dumb. Someone in school who's, like, good at social sciences and a student of government, like... Half the shit he does, it's like that old, that old, uh, what was it, Geico commercial or whatever. Like that's not how any of this works at all, Donnie. <laughs> like he was talking. About, did you hear? How? Oh, who was he talking to about? I think it was about tax breaks or something. And he was saying, you know, you got to prime the pump. <laughs> Is that and, where that came from? And the interviewer that's been all over like, social media this like, last day. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. And he's and moves on to go ask another question. He's like, "Oh, so you've heard that phrase before?" And interviewer is like, uh, "Brian the pump." And he's was, like, "Yeah." Was he thinking he invented yeah. it? Yeah, I, I made that up last year. I think it's a great. It really, it what? really paints a picture of uh, <laughs> what you're trying to say. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? So Donald Trump is now yeah. a word hipster. He's he, right. he inv he's invented shit before anybody he else. Didn't invent that, right. bro. When, so when I, people had to pump their, their water from wells, you know, they, <laughs> dad sent the you over there and was like, go grab that lever and shake it up and down a whole lot until the water comes out. Hey, should we come up with the term to shorten this? No, Donald Trump's going to do it in 2016. Hey. Don't worry about it. Right. And now, and now wells like that are a rarity in this nation. And only now has Donald Trump come along to give us this gift of a nifty little phrase that we can use. And we can just say, hey. Just prime the pump. in such a picture. I don't know what the fuck you just said, little kid. Fucking. This man is out of control. I know. <laughs> oh, and so what's even greater than that 
is that it he gets, chose it gets better. He chose, to, he chose to fire Comey the day before he was to meet with the Russian ambassador. Or no, wait, it wasn't the the ambassador. The ambassador was there actually. Um, it was the foreign minister. So he has a closed door meeting with the Russian foreign minister. You know, this was scheduled a long time ago. This has nothing. It is not like, hey, I just fired Comey. Come over and uh, celebrate with me. So he has the meeting. It's as I said, it's closed door, no press allowed. They let in the ambassador. Well, they can't see they the cash in. exchange hands. That would just be right. bad form. They, they let in the uh, um, the foreign minister, and there's a an official photographer for both. There's the White House official photographer, and there's the Kremlin's official photographer. Um, what they failed to mention, though, was that the official photographer for the Kremlin was also the main photographer for the state-run newspaper in Russia. So the photos that the Russian guy took got published in the paper the next day. They weren't just like, docu- you know, so there's all these photos of him like smiling and shaking hands and posing with the, 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 uh, foreign, the, uh, what's the word again? Bag of cash. No, oh, no, 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 the, the foreign minister. He's, again, the day after he, he fires he put the up. FBI director. So it's like, hey, we did it. We solved this problem. He put Russia's pile of cash now next to Russia's pile of cash to the Obama administration. It was like, look, it's so much bigger. He pulled a reverse Sean Spicer. Oh, look, they're paying this administration more. Sorry. I got to turn your music down one second. They're not all winners. No. Which one are you on? Oh, should I make some music again? Yeah. Make some music real quick. I got to do a level check. It's loud. Oh, wait, wrong one. There we go. That's better. How's it on your end, Rich? That's good. Okay. All right. All right. Here he is. So, okay, so yeah, I'm, I'll just keep following, the, keep following the blood and the water to Russia. That's how this guy's going to go down. I really think it's not going to be any of his crazy shit he's trying to pull off. It just follow the follow the blood and the, there's there's huge. There's lots of blood in the water between Comey, between uh, what's his nuts, Flynn. Yeah, it's going to be interesting what we finally hear Sessions. from Flynn. We may even hear from Comey as well. Who knows? You know, even a fired FBI agent is still uh, still has to keep top secret information top secret. This is going to be a fantastic special on the History Channel in about ten years. Yeah, <laughs> hey, remember that six months Donald Trump was president? No, probably eight, yeah. eight eight months to a year. That was one of, the wheels of justice move slow. Well, that was one of my tweets earlier today. Was uh, starts off Trump twenty twenty seven. You know the movie uh, opens up on the Oval Office. Trump signing uh, the letter firing Comey as he says "hasta la vista, bitch," and then the narrator comes in and says, "And so the beginning of the end." Thirty days later, that, that's that's the the movie. Out. Oh gosh, it's. Kind of, 
Smash this cut the pants being sworn in on the 4th of July weekend. I mean, yes, while I'm gleefully awaiting the demise of the Trump administration, this is all going to take a lot longer than 30 days. We're going to have the first first lady to be called mother. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge here is, because all Trump really has to do is outlast the attention span of the American people, right? Or at least keep enough balls juggling in the air that they can't concentrate on one for too long. He'd have to delete his Twitter app for that to happen. That's another great thing about Twitter. There's because they don't go away. Your tweets stay out there forever. Um, the deputy uh, Sean Spicer job. What's what's his job again? Sean Spicer Jr. Deputy I got a pre- press secretary. Yes, the deputy press secretary. I gotta look her name up because it's. I believe it's something Huckabee Sanders. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Stop, sluts. She's like the the likable version of Sean Spicer. Who is a whore? You don't know. come on, man. Hey, she's she's in government, right? So does that mean she's like fair game? <clears throat> God damn, she's a lot younger than I thought. Yeah, she's been one of the the main people trot the message out there that this is uh, that firing of Comey has nothing to do with the russian investigation we fully expect the russian the investigation on, to, into russia's uh tampering with our election that's as far as they'll go with it uh to continue and also another one of the talking points that i've heard from out of more than one mouth is the fact that the fbi is made up of a bunch of independent uh agents who have no political affiliations and you know even even uh no director could ultimately completely squash this investigation if there was evidence found they would pursue pursue it to the end which whatever motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> right to, to say that if we put somebody in there and they say well first order of business is Drop this Russian uh, investigation because it's bullshit. And if anyone brings any shit to me about Trump and Russia, I'm not going to look at it. You think that's not going to at all affect the investigation? Or how about just the fact that, fuck that, you fired the FBI director for investigating your ties to Russia. So doesn't that pretty much make anybody else at the FBI fair game if they get a little too close? Yeah, but they're not putting it on that. They're putting. She's saying, "Apparently, this is this is a hanging offense in the Trump administration." Uh, He held a news conference last July without notifying his superiors at the Justice Department. So, the Trump administration, according to her, looks at that as. I'm sorry. Who? What? No, it's a song, man. Oh, my bad. James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> she, she's yeah. She's saying that that's a that's like an atrocity in him oh, right. circumventing circumventing the chain of command in the Department of Justice. Right. When Trump heard about that, his monocle fell out. <laughs> he went buh, 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 buh. <laughs> choked on I his mean, forty-year-old line. Federal Bureau of Investigation. If they're investigating something to where maybe someone in the chain of command comes into play, not necessarily as a person of interest or as someone they're investigating, but they're part of the investigation, 
isn't it a conflict of interest to say, hey, by the way, I'm going to have a press conference and your name's going to come up? I mean, if they're truly... Used to be. If they're truly apolitical and they just want to serve justice, then they're not fucking cutting people slack and giving people a chance to prepare Mm -hmm. a, a rebuttal statement before the fucking news conference. So... But you know, apparently this uh, the this Rosenstein guy, the newly appointed Deputy Attorney General, he has been saying off the record that he is pissed at being put in the position of. I mean, he was basically put in that position to get rid of Comey. Right. Two days after he gets his appointment, they ask him to write up a, a letter about Comey so that they can have another, you know a quote-unquote third party certify that this is the right thing to do and that it's not just Trump and uh, and Sessions trying to cover their asses. And I don't see how he didn't realize that at the time. So either this guy is a fool or he's a liar and he's trying to cover his ass on the back end. Either way. Oh, stupid or liar. Either where, way. Where have we heard that before? Either way. That makes him the perfect person to put a little bit of pressure on and see if we can't get the truth about this firing from uh, from him. Rich's way sounds so much smarter. He says you're either being willfully obtuse or intellectually dishonest. It's that book-reading way. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an eloquent way to put you're either bullshitting me or you're retarded. So let's just, Adam Carolla, just... stupid or liar, so he says all the time. You're either stupid or a liar. Do you believe the shit you are saying? And, it's, and, and I am shocked on a daily basis, especially in people of <clears throat> positions of power and influence who I believe are just fucking stupid. I mean... Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, if this, if this Rosenstein this, guy was this actually... Ship is, this, this ship could be rudderless, you know? I mean, that's, that's the scariest part of all this. No conspiracies. It's just rudderless chaos. I mean, the bar for government employee is so low. Like, straight up, I went to the post office a couple months ago, and, like, the guy's, like, swearing in front of me under his breath, and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, dude, like, I'm cool with this, but if I'm a little old lady, like, you then might... you're too deaf to hear. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> see, you might not have this job, but then again, at the same time, if that's, if that's the bar, like, the post office, is this guy's supervisor going to be any better? <laughs> you know, like... So, yeah, you think the bar is really that high for the the upper positions in government work? Probably not. Well, hasn't there hasn't there also been an influx through Trump of people who don't know the political game? I mean, and as much well, as people say yeah, that's what outsiders. they want, that's I know that's as, as much as people say that's what they really want. Do you, I just I keep going back to the. An analogy I, I think it, I think it might have been uh, John Stewart use. You know, if I'm going in for heart surgery, I don't want like a gynecologist doing the surgery. Yes. Oh, but, he, but she's a, but she's an outsider. She'll bring a new perspective to it. Right. To cracking my chest open, taking my heart out of my chest, and trying to put it back in, all working again. Yeah, I'm good on that. I don't have a yeast infection. Yeah, I have clogged arteries. So I tried to explain to my my dad about why I was voting for Hillary. You know, he's he's seventy, he's Catholic. You can guess which way he leans. But uh, yeah, it was the same. Like, Dad, if I'm hiring for a job, I want someone who's done government before. 
<laughs> like, why not? Like, yeah, she's a career politician, but she's done this before. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna vote for maybe. I'm not gonna vote for. Let's shake things up. No, man, I don't need. I don't need you to have a learning curve with the most right. powerful country in the world. All right, there's no. You should. You need to have done. You know, I'll see in your resume, government. You know, four to eight years. You know, I want experience. You know, I'm not gonna hire. On Rich's analogy, right, but, I'm, I'm not gonna hire someone who works on fucking brains to mop a floor and vice versa. Yes, but. Uh, I mean, some people just have no idea who it is that they're voting for. Like my my favorite person to follow on Twitter, a wife with a purpose. This is the uh, trad life woman who reaches at every race. Every race has their own traditions that they should keep completely separate and away from my neighborhood. And she posts something about how it's horrible that everyone's trying to bring down these good Christian leaders and and post a picture of separately but one of Trump and one of Putin in church with their heads bowed looking all solemn and I think these guys go to church if there isn't a camera there we can't we can't have a conversation where where do you start with that person if you're if you were tasked with the job of sitting down and debating them on the issue of just whether <laughs> Trump or Putin is Christian enough or not, I, I had I can't resist responding to her. I was like, you, "You can't be serious. These guys are not Christian. Trump is pandering to you, and Putin is a straight up murderer." Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, we can't we can't deal in facts here. But the problem we're, is, is that we're dealing with deal. people who, you, if one candidate says that they identify with Christian values, then that's all they need to hear. The problem is, is that you have to be able to identify the people that are lost causes, people who have just, I mean, bought stock in Kool Aid, not just drank it, and just be able to write them off. And the people that are kind of, they're kind of on the fence. You have to be able to identify them, and you have to engage them. Because if right. you don't, then you just get stonewalling. Then you get right. fucking two sides throwing shit at each other over a dumpster. And there's you got enough of that shit. <laughs> there's certainly been a lot of talk about how do we reach out to the other side if we're so divided. How do we convert a, a, a Trump voter to actually come around to sane ways of thinking about things? But you're, you're hardcore, no matter what, Trump supporter that is that it is buying all this shit and eating it with a fork and spoon, they will just <laughs> go back into the woodwork, frankly. These people that uh, that are believing this side of Trump and are voting because they want people of other races out of this nation, because they don't want people to have rights to you know, birth control and, and uh, abortion... Whatnot. People are trying to oppress their religion on, on other people. They, they're buying this shit up. And yeah. once there's once there's no candidate... Like, like it's on sale. Once Clearance. there's no ca- Once there's no candidate that is there for them to attach those, those things to, they'll just go back to being a disillusioned non-voter. And that's okay with me that's perfectly fine with me that's perfectly if you are a racist a bigot if you want to try and use government as a way to control other people 
through your whack religion, I'm okay with you not voting. And it's, you know, the Republicans used Trump because they were like, well, he's this is a popular figure, and man, he sure pulls well, and we can make him do what we want. Yeah, but you're also... <laughs> You're, you're also getting the racist vote out. You're getting the bigot vote out. You're getting the Christian right wing control other people vote out. These are people that haven't voted, probably, a lot of them, haven't voted in past elections because, you know, why even bother? Well, there really is a large portion of our population <clears throat> of all races that they do this. They isolate themselves and they stick with people who look just like them and tend to have values most like them. You know, and it's kind of hard point. to humanize someone to to humanize someone who they demonize to them when they even refuse to engage with them. When they go, I I may work with a few black people, but they leave me alone. I leave them alone. We're fine. Well, have you have you ever had a talk? Why there's nothing for us to talk about? I've met. I know people. I have people like that in my family. And they truly, honestly don't think they're racist. Mm -hmm. They just think there's nothing for us to talk about. And I said, based on what? It's like every conversation we have goes, hey, so, being white, huh? Yeah. I <laughs> like, like, that's how every, like, like, that's how we, that's how every conversation goes. No, what, really? They have family, they have kids, they have bills to pay. They have a commute to work. They root well, for the look, same sports teams. Uh, like, it's not well, hard it, to find shit the, to talk about. They're I mean, people. Isn't it the, the best way? It is a hard way to, to, to go, but it don't, I mean, I think all three of us could probably agree that if it's not the best way, it's in the top fucking three to get people to stop with the nonsense and preconceived notions and prejudice that they have in their head about people is to humanize people. And I mean, part of that is taking someone on an individual case by case basis and I mean, it's kind of hard when it's like people see themselves as we're this and you're part of that and these two don't mix. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. There's lost causes there, but there's also people who are like, why? All it is is that I, recently I <clears throat> heard a teenager say to me it's not, he, it, that he didn't believe it's really a problem with race when it gets down to it with racists. He believes that's the easy thing. Oh, they look different, so that's the first thing they go for. They're more scared of a different culture than theirs. They don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. It seems scary. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm like, I, I see where you're going, and I agree with you to an extent. I do think there's people out there that are just like, hey, you're a different color than me. You speak a different language than me. You're not, I'm white, and you are a mud person. I, I mean, there's people that are like that, but I can see it. Uh, what he was saying, it's it's a culture thing. It's a culture gap. How do you get over that? And I mean, yeah, some the problem people is are we cultured and others aren't. <laughs> the problem, the problem is, is that we have an administration in office who seems to tell its supporters it's 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 born again, you know, hard motherfucking people in their in their ranks. It's okay to. Keep that. Keep other cultures at bay. You know, multiculturalism is a bad word to them. Globalism is a bad word to them. We're Americans, but first and foremost, we're white Americans. You know, and it's like, 
Right, and like, it's it's, a, it's the it's the group it's identity politics on the on the side on the conservative side of the aisle is what it is. It's really no different than when you see a group of people stand up and say, "I'm a lesbian American," blah 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 blah. <laughs> You're a human being first and foremost. You're an individual second. Who you choose to align yourself with is a choice. You have no choice but to be an individual. You know. So why don't you act like it? Why don't you treat other people like they're individuals and they're not? A, they're not a label that fits into a group that fits into a little fucking box comfortably. Yeah. I mean, I know that's some hippie shit, but I. I I definitely agree with you that you know the, the only really the only way to get people to overcome prejudice is to humanize it and but the the ability for the human mind to compart, compartmentalize is astounding because it it reminds me of a story that I heard the other day on the radio about a gentleman who owned the neighborhood party store. And he had been working for two years to try and get his family over from uh, from Syria, and now now it doesn't look like he's going to be able to do that, and he's freaking out over it. And everybody in this that sounded like a predominantly white neighborhood, everybody loves this guy. I mean, no matter how fucked up his day is, and he still isn't, his family's over in, a, in a, a country in the middle of a civil war, and the president of the country that he's in is saying that they can't come back. They can't, I mean, they can't come into this country. Uh, he still is great with his customers, so much so that he talks to them about that. So one of his customers, a sounded like a middle-aged woman, was in there talking to him, and she asked about his family and he's like, Oh, you know, that talked to him the other day. They're doing well, but it's so messed up that they can't come and be with me that I can't get visas for them now. And it's all because of Trump. And she's, and she's like, yeah, I know it's horrible. And he goes, it's horrible, but you voted for him. And she says, well, I never thought he would do all this. Wow. Well, so again, stupid or liar. I mean, you people, are you stupid because you really didn't believe that it, when he was coming out and saying what he was going to do, you didn't think that it would actually do it, that he would do it, or that it wouldn't affect your friend who owns the, the neighborhood party store? Well, or, you, you know, or you're just out and out lying to save a little bit of face, and you really do want most Muslims out, but you just can't say to this man, but you're one of the good ones. Dude, it's like you bought a lion and got mad when I tried to eat you. I mean, but, and... Look, even if even if this Trump voter is truly like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I just thought it was he was moving hot air. I d- thought he was doing what politicians do, which is make pie in the sky promises he never plans on going through with. Okay, good for you, bitch. Now, do you see how your choices affect other fucking people? Maybe I don't know. D- do some research into something. I- I'm. So- I mean, I- it's like I'm supposed to feel some sort of way about her because she's like oh i'm sorry i didn't realize you didn't realize you didn't realize your actions had consequences yeah i'm sorry uh I, I, if i go out and i get into a fight and i kill a guy and i wasn't trying to kill him i still go to prison for manslaughter well i didn't mean to kill him but he's dead the crime's been committed it doesn't matter if you meant it or not mm-hmm. i mean okay you're not guilty of first degree fuckery in your head but you're definitely guilty of manslaughter yeah. fuckery in your head because you didn't think shit through on november 9th we couldn't all go out and unvote well whoops never mind let's try it again 
Well, it's just I I'm this that's what that's what really gets me about everything that's going on because it just seems it just seems like people aren't in the people in positions who are normally they normally think things through from point A to point B. And maybe sometimes a little forward-thinking people will go, okay, let's see, they could branch off to point C, point D, whatever. These people are just going, put your foot on the gas and let's go. We'll find out when we get there. It's not a way to go about governing people, let alone a whole fucking country. And once again, his supporters are just taking his fucking lead. His supporters who are going to support him no matter what are just taking his lead. They're not thinking shit through. And I mean... it's it really it's it's just really shocking to me. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, if I'm if I'm that store clerk, he's he's got a lot more control over his tongue than I would because I'd have been like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? That's what I probably would have said. I'd have probably lost that customer, you know. And that's fucked up because it's a guy that's come here. You said he's been here what two years, Aaron, for working to get his family over here. Yeah, yeah. he ain't over here. He ain't over here fucking taking up benefits that hard working white Americans could have, could have had. He's paying taxes. Exactly. He's probably putting more into the tax pool than your he's average He's a small fucking, business owner. He's, pay, he's paying more taxes than most of the people that live in his neighborhood, most likely. Exactly. Exactly. Than most of his good Christian white customers. You know, and I yeah, don't... If we had a tax a tax base, uh, a tax generating based voting system, he would have more votes than you. And just and just so I'm not okay, it doesn't sound like I'm picking on one group of people. Okay, this type of attitude is prevalent in the hood too. I've lived in the hood. I, I, I know what I know what's said when you, about store owners from other countries and stuff. This isn't just isolated to. to to oh. white people, to black people, to whatever. This is no. a problem we have as a country, almost a distrust of people to come here. And these are the people that are working out in the open as much as they can. They're right. not hiding. They're not They're not hopping the fence in the middle of the night, floating over on a fucking coffee table. Well, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting that, uh, because this makes me think, too, when you talk about this problem that we have, just the concept of race in general in this country, and then you also look at what's the other the big problem that we have in this country is just information in general or disinformation or the fact that we don't seem to be able to tell what what's actual truth and what's not. And all this talk about, well, how do we start, you know, if Russia wants to spread disinformation about us, so how can we even stop it? How can we, should we put more filters on our Facebook and our Twitter feeds? Should we try and tell the the media that what to report on? Uh, how do we even solve this problem? I think a lot of this and then, because we've and been then look at And then look at France. Look at what just happened in France. So a couple days before they're going to have their election, all these emails get dumped for the more liberal that that were from the uh, campaign for the more liberal candidate, and nobody really looks at them. I mean, people look at them; they're acknowledged. There's a general media blackout 48 hours before the day of election, anyway, and the media doesn't go crazy like and report idea. on this. The, the media doesn't go crazy and report on this shit. Most people aren't even aware that it exists because. Well, I th- well, I was just going to say, I think it's maybe they're not like we are when it comes to information and, and news and media. I think we're awful spoiled. Right. We tend to so, take we tend to take what we're told at face value with 
very little legwork on our own to fact check it. Right. So my my point is, uh, if you want to ask the question, how do we solve this uh, disinformation crisis that we we have in America? Apparently, the answer is, don't be American. (laughs) Right. Because, I mean. What other answer is there? Stop acting like yourselves, people. Hey, man. I posted something about it today. I don't know about you guys, but in the last week, I have seen the Huffington Post use a meme in a news story, and today the Detroit Free Press use an emoticon in posting a news story. Is this really the time to start doing this, media? Your, 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 uh, your credibility is under scrutiny. Is this really... Do we really want to go down this road right now? Yeah, but you know what? It, it plays right into what people have been saying about the American media, media, especially anything to do with television when it comes to news. For what? Since post-World War II? Each, it seems like each decade, the news is written at a lower and lower grade level for, for people to understand. <laughs> I think the last time it was like most newspapers and most news that is read on television is written at a third grade level so people can easily digest it and understand it think about it when is the last time you heard a news a newscaster use a word that made you go wait a minute what's that word mean used a word we learned in college or fuck use a word we use a word we learned in high school i mean it's 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 awfully rare and so we when you have a whole you know, people, a whole populace who's just used to reading things at a dumbed-down, watered-down level. I mean, of course they're going to go, okay, so what's what's the younger people coming up? What do they, what level do they, when they communicate, what things do they use? Memes and emojis. Yeah. I mean, it just, it makes sense to, the news, idea. especially when the news, the newspapers are pretty much dead except for a handful of them. So news has shifted to online. So that just lends itself to using memes and emojis in their stories. To, I don't, to me, it's just, it's, it, ain't, it ain't help with your credibility right now. No, but to a generation who grew up with memes and emojis, they're like, oh, they're relevant to me now. But I mean, I guess the thing from the, what bothered me about the Huffington Post was is they actually had their opinion of the news story as the meme. Like they had, it was that fucking idiot... Uh, that uh, senator from Alaska who were like accusing women of like getting abortions to go on trips to the big city. Like, I understand, yes, it, I do agree with your sentiment that that's a pretty fucking absurd argument from somebody who's in legislation. But to me, I mean, again, we've always talked to it's, it, you know, it's supposed to be objective, and you just putting your opinion of it just right across the the piece of media that goes with the news story. I mean, that's, you know, you get it. In my book, you get an F in journalism class. Well, that's also yeah. a lot of that's a lot of that's bleed over from they realize that the straight up six o'clock and, and eleven o'clock news doesn't pull as big a ratings as the opinionated talking head shows do, and so now mm-hmm. they're, they're the lines are blurring between those two things between a newscast and a Bill O'Reilly, Rachel Maddow type show. Well, see now that's a us problem, not a media problem. Like that's right. a. Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, but you can't get lost in the chicken versus the egg because if we demand it, they're going to give it to us. But if they lead us to it, we're going to take it. Yeah. Also, the the concept of objectivity in journalism is a nice goal to uh, to strive for. But I think you know 
We're seeing a, a bit of a backlash from a trend that has been happening. Well, it seems to be steadily happening ever since the birth of CNN, really. And it's this idea of, of complete fairness that goes so far that it actually obstructs the truth. That the, you know, do I want objectivity in journalism? Yes. But do I ultimately what you want is the journalist to tell you the truth? You're the one that investigated this. What is the truth that you found? Ultimately, there is opinion in that. And the idea that I have to present both sides of an abortion argument or, you know, uh, some crazy senator says that rape is a pre-existing condition and I'm supposed to be objective about that and say that, well, yes, you know, and so... Yes, cl- if you've chosen no. to be a reporter, yes. No. You have to present both sides. No, no, you, or you no don't. Or no sides. No, you don't. You, you, your job is to present the truth. Your opinion is supposed to be for the editorial it. page and, and opinion pieces. That's not pure. That's not pure opinion. It reporting is seeking the truth, and if for every truth that you find, you have to produce another lie just so that people can look at both and make their own decision. I don't really think that's journalism at all. That's just okay. data mining. That's compiling information and just presenting it to, to people to make their own decisions on. Like, objectivity means that, uh, well, let's just look at it on a simpler term. You're a restaurant reviewer, right? And you, your brother opens a restaurant. You're going to be objective and not review that restaurant, right? Or you have a personal, or you have a personal beef with uh, the owner of another restaurant. You guys got into it, and it was kind of public because it was on Twitter and everything. And so you maybe you do review that guy's restaurant, and you go out of your way to be as objective as as possible. But that doesn't mean that you write the review that says, "Well, you know, the steak was way too salty. It was completely over salted." But there's a lot of people out there that like really salty steak. So those people who like way too much salt on their steak, they should come here because they might enjoy it and have a different experience than I did. And that's kind of how we've... It's it's not a a reasonable goal to try and achieve this complete objectivity. We used to. It was was for a while. We 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 held it. Uh, I mean, as little as Rich, what, 20 years ago, we were taught your opinions for the opinion page. It's only 20. It was only 20. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Right. And but I mean, reporting Aaron, on Aaron. facts the way that you understand them is not opinion. You know, if, if a journalist wants to report on, on climate change, an editorial says that, well, you have to find somebody that's a, uh, that's a denier of this. You have to find one of the 2% of all scientists that actually claim to have evidence that none of this is man-made and it's all very natural and it's going to be fun, uh, and you have to give him equal time. Otherwise, everybody's going to see your opinion of, of climate change when climate change is not an opinion thing. It's a fact-based thing. If you have 50% of well, yeah, scientists that, saying one thing and 50% saying another thing, well, yes, write that. That might have this crazy thing in it called sources. And you know footnotes. Yes, I agree with no, you. No, but there. what? I, but yeah, but what I'm saying is, there's. You can't have pure objectivity. 
pure objectivity is not journalism. It doesn't present facts as the journalist understands them. It is a regurgitation of information. There, you're, okay, but Aaron, hold on a sec. Once you filter facts through someone's how they see them, they're now, it's, it may not be a pure opinion, but it's been tainted by their worldview and how they see the world and 100%. how they understand the world. And that's why we task journalists with these things because we hopefully we read the ones who we trust. Who we see when you look at who wrote a story and it's somebody that you recognize and you've read sane, reasonable pieces from before, you're already coloring how you read that information. Actually, depending on who the writer is, it could make you lean one way or the other. Well, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt because this was written by Ann Coulter. But Matt Taibbi has always been pretty straightforward, so I'm taking this story as the truth. There's everything's a filter and none of us can be the ones who, you know, we'd all like to get to the bottom of what's going on between Trump and Russia. Do any of us have access to any of these people? Can we be one of the flies on the wall? Can we talk to the right person who has the information? Fuck no. We have people who do that. Not yet. Give some time. And, and uh, yeah, we'll just get uh, nanites everywhere. Spy. No privacy. So, yeah, it's all a filter. I it's, guess it's maybe maybe that's why. Do you why trust I, the filter? That's the maybe, question. Maybe that's why when I come to when I read a news story about a subject that I haven't heard anybody else talk about, especially give opinions on, those are my favorite type of news stories to come upon and read, because I have no preconceived notions in any way going into the article. Right. And, I mean, if it's a well-written piece, and I don't know the author, obviously if I know the author and I know it's Ann Coulter or Matt Taibbi, I know, I know it's going to be slanted one way or the other. It's going to be, it's going to have an agenda of some sort behind it. But if it's just a piece that is just, as you said, like an information dump, and it doesn't present opinions in either, in either way, I like that. It allows me to go, okay, and... If I care enough about the subject, I'm going to do the research into it. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to end up reading both sides and seeing what case they but put that's forward. The, but, but, but isn't that the journalist's job? Isn't the journalist's job to sift through that information? Maybe it's because I got trust issues and I just I, I'm uh, gonna, I, I want to fact check a trust. I want well, it used to be I called want, a reporter. It goes, it goes reporter, reporter, editor, and then person taking in the news and then they do their own fact checking on top of all that hmm. i mean i guess i guess to me that i i'm more comfortable with with doing that to me to me it's kind of strange if you read a story and you and something stick okay if i'm just reading this story and someone come out and said rape is a pre-existing condition after i unscrew my face from going, yeah, no. it's the stupidest fucking sentence i've read today i'm gonna go how the fuck does he even claim it's or wait they even claim keep it's reading. a pre-existing condition hey. You know, and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to finish the article, and then I'm going to go look for a transcript of what was said in context, because I know the hmm. media and the news will take shit out of context sometimes to blow up a story. Right, but, but, but I mean, far, yeah, I understand, to me, that's how, natural, so I just assume that's what intelligent people do. But how far do you want it to take the, the concept of objectivity? Because just saying... Uh, let's see, there's two big no news stories today, and one of them is, uh, 
I don't know, something about Trump and Russia and the other one, something about a sporting event, and I have to pick one. Well, I think this story about Trump and Russia is more important, more important so I'm going to focus on that one and fuck opening day for whatever state new stadium popped up. And th- there, you have no objectivity. You've made a decision that one thing is more important than the other. Well, that's something you're gonna, like that affects all concent- of us. And you're going to concentrate on that, but then it it keeps going, right? Then you decide. Then you look at the Trump Russia story, and you go, okay, well, there's this side of it, and there's that side of it. There's people saying there's nothing here, and there's people saying that there is something here. Well, the more information I get, the more I feel like there's something here. So you start leaning that way, and that's what the story's about. Is there something here? Do you? You're, you're not under obligation to also present a parallel story where you're saying, well, yes, but there's also all these other people who are saying this is really nothing. I, and I here's understand. this person saying this, and here's this person saying that. I understand. You, you're, and I agree with... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, like, those decisions, they just start getting narrower and narrower, Right. And they're all based on the opinion, ultimately the opinion of the person writing the story, on what's more important, what is to, what is more truthful, what is the story that really needs to get out there. It's that's kind of all opinion, and I'm not saying that there's no, uh, that there's no uh, objectivity in journalism, or that there shouldn't be, but. I think you have to also understand that there's a definite limit to that. And, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot more news organizations who, I mean, I remember in the Bush era reading stories from, like, the Washington Post and New York Times. Or, uh, I'm sorry, did, well, let's take New York Times as an example. The failing New York Times? Right. You'd read the, a story about about Bush and some crazy shit that he did and you're like well why are they pulling these punches why are they say why can't they say lie right that was kind of a big issue George Bush lied about this someone in his administration straight up lied to the American people and the the New York Times is saying that you know I don't know they've got some some other word to describe it that kind of Makes you understand that you know what he said wasn't the truth, but we can't call him a liar. I, I understand. Now, now we're, now we're seeing that uh, people who are straight up lying and can be proved to be wrong are being called out in the media. Uh, is that objective? Are they only doing it to Republicans and not not Democrats so much? Maybe it's not objective. Should it be objective? The Should problem the lies with who are you who are you getting your news from? Okay. If you're going into a situation you understand, I'm watching MSNBC, they have a certain slant. I'm watching Fox, they have a certain slant. Then you watch it from that perspective. To me, a true news person has no slant. They call bullshit whenever they see it, and they don't care whose feelings they hurt. They don't care what political lines they fucking piss all over because they're straddling them. It doesn't matter to them. A guy like Charlie LaDuff will go after any politician, regardless of what whether he has a D or an R by his name, and he does not give a fuck. He calls bullshit where he sees bullshit. Case in point, when the 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 Black Lives Matter movement was starting and all this discussion was was 
on everybody's lips in the nation about cops killing black people, he come out and said, well, yes, cops do kill black people, but not disproportionately. Cops kill poor people disproportionately. That was a very unpopular opinion. He didn't give a fuck. That's what. That's what. That's the type of news I think we need more of. We need less of. Okay, well, you know what sides you picked. We know what team you're rooting for. Now we're going to sit here and tell you everything you want to hear with the slant that allows you to accept it. Yeah, and to me, there's a difference between calling out a lie. It, like calling calling out a lie is what the media is for. There, Aaron, we're on the same side there. Like, if you have facts to back up that yes, you are lying. That I mean that's. There's the objectivity right there. Like, no, you said this, uh, you know, um, science or history or whatever our source has uh, disproves that. Mm -hmm. Right, but but then that gets a lot fuzzier. In most cases, it gets a lot fuzzier. It's not a clear-cut case of somebody saying there were two million... the flat earthers. I mean, there is just hard evidence. Like, no, you're right. fucking wrong. And here's right. how. The, yeah. The, the president says that there are X amount of million of people at his inauguration, and we have photos to prove otherwise. Right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that, that is something that no, no legitimate news organization should be siding with Donald Trump on that because it, we have clear facts that everyone can access that prove him 100% wrong. You're right. But However, but give me, give there's me a lot second. of things. There's a lot of lies that are told, especially by politicians, and they're not so easily black and white. And okay, but here's here's the thing. You know what you're going. The minute that came out, and his his people said there was this millions of people at my inauguration, and right. we had photo proof there wasn't. You knew Fox was going. To, to co-sign on whatever his administration said. And you knew MSNBC Excellent. was going to fucking jump on it. There was Excellent. a lot of people at Fox who I, I saw make the case that, oh, it was because of... <laughs> they all went to the bathroom at the same time. It was because of the background. It was because of the way it was... It, this was a photo of four hours before the inauguration and three hours after when people were still coming and going. All types of excuses I heard people from Fox right. make. Well, you know, that <clears> was... That was mostly Sean Hannity and Trump's uh, guests that they had on that were Trump supporters. And Here's my problem, though. I don't if know, it, but if the same thing would have happened with Obama, MSNBC would have fucking co-signed on what Obama's administration said oh, and, and yeah. tried to, put, well, to make it sound just I, as good as fucking Fox did with Trump. How can I trust either of these news sources? These are, you are cheerleaders for a side. You are not a news source. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's my whole rub with it, is I shouldn't know what team you're on. I think we talked about it on our election night uh, show, that it's just ever been so evident in our lifetimes whose side the media is on. Because when we were little kids, it wasn't. And Well, well they're, they're clearly on the profit side. We're not supposed to know what t-shirt you're wearing. And, and that's why, I mean, the, the concept of having a media blackout before an election in this country would would cause most uh, monocles to fall out. Yeah, let's get it but, back uh, on the road here. All back to France and their media blackout. Well, well, right, but we all think is a good idea. At least I do. Well, yeah, I mean, media blackout's a good idea, but there's also the fact that you know the same way that the American people are culpable for the state of the media in this country. The French people own theirs, you know? They don't pay attention to shit like this. They don't want to hear, you know... We don't care about the email. 
Well, right. Well, <laughs> I mean, even look beyond the email. Let's look at Marcon, the guy who they elected as their president. This is a man who, when he was in high school, was fucking his teacher and ended up, she went to jail, got out, they got married. I mean, this is a guy who could never get elected to any office in the U.S., period. And they were just like, well, whatever. France, I mean, you're our new president. You're a national he, hero. He's Right. Everybody's got fucked up personal lives. We're going to judge everybody on their, on, their, on their personal lives. Like, this guy wants to do the right thing for this country. That's why we're voting for him. So they choose to just say, what? We don't give a fuck. And so it's a non-story. Hey, we, we did it in the 90s here. You know, whereas in this country, everything that happens... I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? The people want to see the salacious stories, so the media generates more, which drives more need for them. It's the same... It's like reality television show. Well, now game shows. Or fuck it, even freeway dynamics. I heard this is a new uh, French The more lanes you open up on a freeway, the more people are going to ride them. Yeah. We did elect a reality TV star as our president. It's just so fitting for us where we're at. That's true. I said Marcon could never hold office in, in the U.S., and yet we have Trump as a president. Because he hasn't been on TV. Well, I mean, haven't we accepted, even though it's, it's, it's not sexy and, you know, people get pissed when they hear this, haven't we accepted it pretty much as a society? Americans aren't very deep. I mean, I've stepped in puddles deeper than most people I know on a day-to-day basis. But here, here's the problem. Lately, we we so totally think we are. We're like a we're like a 14-year-old boy or girl who's like smoking weed and thinking you're having these earth-shattering realizations. Right, you're solving world peace in your head, dude. We so totally think we are. I, I was joking with Mandy about uh, when the people on the West Coast. Who are who supposedly have this uh, rep of you know on the on the West Coast everything's loose man every everybody's attitude is looser you know we're chill man it's the West Coast in the West Coast airports especially LAX you look at everybody's face they look so fucking uptight and it's more of a smug kind of we're better than you kind of <laughs> thing going on with everybody like they're doing they're doing what uh uh Kyle's dad did in South Park farting into a fucking wine glass and getting first huff yeah. It's kind of it's, mm. but that's where we're at as a country, though too. Like, we it's because it's thanks a lot. Of, it's because of Obama, right? We, we put a black guy in president for the last eight years. We're super progressive, you know. We think we're super progressive, and then you look at other countries that had you know uh, leaders of different races before us. It's like a super long list. It's like now, if you look at the country that have had women leaders, we, we are we are far behind on that list uh, yeah but in other ways we're way ahead of other countries That's i mean true. like that article i sent you guys about you can be gay here a comedian in ireland said something that would the irish authorities considered blasphemous <laughs> and so they want to now prosecute him and there's prison time on the line for it oh yeah i mean come the fuck on there, dude. there are some countries we could not have this show in or i we mean we've had like two episodes and that have been it we have countries where they're doing, you know, female genital mutilation. They do it in our country. 
There's been a f- bunch of stories coming out about that. Girls that are 12, 13 years old being laid down and having a, a sur- an a operation, a surgical procedure done on them with no anesthesia. That is fucking, they're cutting off their clitoris. And people go, religion. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about your religion. That's harming another human being. Your, your right to your religion stops where other people's rights start. Yep. Sorry. Give up. And that kid, yeah, I guess by the letter of the law, it's your property. But so's a dog. You take that dog out in the front yard and beat it to death with a baseball bat, Negan style, that'd be the last motherfucking dog you own. Jesus. So, I mean, come on, dude. Seriously. I, I, why are we even shocked that, that, that France is ahead of us in as far as being more forward-thinking and progressive? And, hey, look, we don't want Trump part two over here. We're good on that. Thank you very much. I mean, who the fuck would? Seriously. We are, who takes us seriously with Trump as our president around the country? I mean, every president's a laughing stock in a certain aspect. Clinton was a man whore. You know, Bush was stupid. Yeah, he's uh, a stupid cowboy. Big yeah, cowboy Reagan, guy. Reagan was a jelly bean chomping, you know, oh, well, Hollywood all that shit. Type. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood, Holly, yeah. Hollywood type putting on all uh, shucks. Carter yeah. was a peanut farmer. Exactly, with a yeah, drunk brother who had his own beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it just keeps going. Keeps it. Ford was the one who fell down all the time. I mean, it, Nixon was a crook. Yeah, everybody has has the, the the stereotype about them. LBJ was hung. That's <laughs> that's. Yeah, I was about to say based in reality a little bit, but I don't know about that one, dude. I've never seen any picture proof, so picture it didn't happen. I guess Barack was just black. Hey, dude, seriously, he's in my lifetime. I think he's the most scandal-free president. Oh, by far, yeah. I mean, or I, the best president, or he's the president who just said the best damage control team. The thing is, is that with Bush one, with Daddy Bush, I don't think there was as much scandal while he was in office because when he was head of the CIA is where all his scandal was set. That's when he was doing his dirt. By the time he got in office, he had already fucking said, "I'm done with that shit." He built Bin Laden. Yeah, I mean, so everybody I, I made, forgets. <clears throat> excuse me. He was like, "I already made my bones in the CIA. I don't have to prove shit to anybody. I'm just in line to be president." So, during him in office, I can't remember any huge scandals. I mean, the war, no one, you know, well, not no one, a lot of people didn't want that, but... Yeah, the Persian Gulf. I mean, is that really a scandal? That's that's a drop in the bucket compared to Vietnam and, and Korea, and Iraq Part Two and Afghanistan. Well, yeah, Afghanistan, the longest war that we've been in, now 15 years, and... Trump actually decided to increase our presence in that country. So is this just going to be one of those things that each president acts like they're busy with Afghanistan, just hoping to wait it out and pass it on to the next guy? If it's it's anything like the American public pays attention to, yeah. It's his own personal fucking 24-hour, seven-day-a-week break glass in case of emergency wag the dog situation. Right. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, yeah, shit. And- They're getting too close. Afghanistan, terrorism. There's a threat coming from there. Pay attention to this. Don't pay attention to what the left hand's doing. Look at the right hand. And it's and you can't tell me that. Now, that might not have been the reason, 
they were like, let's go to Afghanistan for this reason. That is a huge ancillary benefit on their part, and they are very much aware of that in this government. And they take advantage of that. Let's fucking be honest. This government, that's what, I don't think your average person thinks about it that much. They just go, oh, yeah, that sucks. We still have guys right. over there, and they're still fighting them. Rather fight them there than here. And that's all they fucking, they just spout bullshit slogans they've been fucking brain fed. Right. How do we not understand at this point that while, yeah, you know, uh, capitalism is great. That's what that's part of what makes this nation great. That, that's what gives a person an opportunity to, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and all that shit. But yet, any time that we attach a profit to something, it is automatically corrupted. Right. So how can you attach a profit to? waging war and not have that be a factor on how that war is handled, how long that conflict goes on for. I mean, it is automatically a factor. There's, I mean, part of the reason why this war could seemingly go on indefinitely is because there's a lot of people who would like to see a conflict go on indefinitely because they just want to produce more planes, tanks, Armor, weaponry, you know, uh, the in, all the independent contractors, the mercenaries. I mean, this is huge business. And that, you get the best of both worlds. Being a government contractor is like having a steady flow of cash and not really having to answer to anybody. Exactly. And people don't even take into consideration, not the big, not the big the guys at the head of the companies, not the big p- people that are benefiting from all this but the grift that happens between the starting point and the end point of people we're we're financing that war there's a whole lot of hands that equipment and money moves through and a whole lot of chances for people to skim a little here and there and it just keeps coming and coming and coming and i mean it it, yeah people don't even think about that i mean 50 if okay let's just 50 billion, we, we, we do a 50 billion increase to Afghanistan to fight the war on terror. Gun to your head, how much of that 50 million do you think, or billion, is actually going to be seen in the battlefield one way or another? Well, there's infrastructure. Oh, and, uh, right. Uh, like, and markup. 10%? 10%? And price gouging. And logistics, the cost of moving stuff around before we even ship anything over to Afghanistan. There's plenty of chances for people to dip into the fucking well at that point. I'm imagining, like, Walter White divvying up the big piles of cash. Like, okay, so Blackwater comes, and they take this third. And then Boeing comes, and they take the uh, third of what's left. Guys, think about it. With something as compared to the war on terror, something as small as the Teamsters... Here locally in Detroit and Chicago, weren't without people just fucking taking the money that was being funneled up, just taken from that that stream that was constantly going upstream to the point where Teamsters is almost synonymous with corruption at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, you say Teamsters, people either don't care, they go, they laugh and go, oh, them corrupt fucks, or they know someone or they're a member themselves, so that, you know, they might not have that opinion, who knows. I mean, it's 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 almost a joke. It's a it's a it's a trope at this point. I mean, if a comedian got on stage and started making jokes about Teamsters ripping people off, that'd be a hack bit. So, I mean, if that's on that level, 
they could have corruption like that. What do we think on a, on a level where money is crossing fucking national borders and people are dipping their hands into it constantly? You think everybody's playing above the table on that one? Come on, no. I mean, it's just... <laughs> 50 people people hear 50 54 billion or whatever 50 million to Afghanistan and think it's going to make a difference on the battlefield not really I mean it, it does but not to the extent people think it's like when they if they give if you give a hundred dollars to a charity 15 of it might actually get to the cause you donated for especially a non-profit charity which is kind of an oxymoron but they're out there yeah, kind of, kind of like you're playing in the background. Right. It's gangster shit. It's just gangster shit with suits and ties and bureaucracy, versus, you know, gator shoes, trunks, and a swamp to dump the body. That's really all it is. They were draining the swamp. Remember? <laughs> I, I was, yeah, and I remember joking. Then we're now we're gonna see where the bodies are at. <laughs> Filling it with newer, shittier water. I think all they did was keep put. They put new water from the same well that had gone stagnant in the swamp into the swamp so they never really drained it so we couldn't see what was on the bottom of it they just put new water in and said see we drained it no you just replaced water that's all you did it was never empty yeah well i gotta ask let me ask you guys a question because i've been thinking about this recently from a few people that i'm friends with on the average uh, on the average as far as the average American, how how often do you think people even think about the fact that we are still at war in Af- in Afghanistan when they're told when they're to? But it, but it yeah. doesn't get a lot of news. I mean, the only big news on Afghanistan this year is uh, when that uh, soldier was killed last month. And that was like and the first soldier killed this year year in Afghanistan, and I think a lot of people went, "What." I thought Brock got us out of Afghanistan. Well, that's also something that damn I mean, him. We're, we're, <laughs> we're modern it's medicine. Obama. We're modern medicine on the combat field has allowed a lot of people to survive horrific injuries that would have killed them even twenty, thirty years ago. Yeah. It also artificially cuts down on well, not artificially, but it cuts down on the number of casualties because we don't really report the wounded anymore we just report Mm -hmm. one soldier died in afghanistan so far this year not one soldier and two thousand people were injured so far this year we don't really say that anymore right and we also didn't apply more resources to handling the disabled veterans that were coming home those who in past wars would have probably died on the battlefield now come home to you know those are the guys we no, really no, fuck. No real mental health treatment in shitty hospitals. Stonewall them at every opportunity unless... And this is a real cynical Dude, like idea. like fucking but unless, hooker, man. Like money's it, on the dresser. We're done with you. Unless there's, we a, unless there's a way a politician can exploit that person, they really are stonewalled as far as trying to get help going through the channels they're told to go through as far as the VA, et cetera, et cetera. I've witnessed that firsthand with my own family. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine it. And that was in peacetime. I can't imagine it's any better when we've been in a, a perpetual state of war for better part of two decades now. And they're, and they're over fucking taxed with people coming in needing right. help. So, I mean, right. yeah, it's that, just, that, that budget that we keep go, that keeps going up and up for our military, none of that covers our veterans. That is just strictly what we spend on personnel and weaponry 
and infrastructure and all that shit. I mean, it, I don't think that we we've uh, increased our our uh, care for veterans at the same rate that we've in, increased our military. No, no, I that, yeah, and especially since they can use the excuse of well, a lot more of our military. It's not it's not so much a ground war. There's drones, there's airstrikes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's an excuse not to fund those things. Because look, you're you know you're piloting a drone. What do you have PTSD for? You're tougher than that. Come on, that's what the military prides themselves on. That's that's the double-edged sword of the military mindset. Is that it? You have to have the mindset of I'm here to do a job, and I have to be able to, like we were talking about early earlier, compartmentalize certain things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. If a person has a problem doing that in the military and they go for help, if they run into the wrong person, turns into what kind of fucking pussy are you, faggot? But you can't handle doing your fucking job. What do you think? What do you think this was? The Boy Scouts? They they beat them over their head with their own fucking, you know, aren't you tougher than that? Their own, and it's that's not even a masculine thing. I imagine now that women are in combat, they're hearing a lot of the same shit too. I mean, think about it. Women in combat's only been a couple years. In the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to start hearing studies about how combat's affected women. And that's going to just, I hate to say it like this, then they might actually start getting shit done. (laughs) Because it won't be, oh, look at all these fucking guys coming back crying. It'll be, oh man, look at these these female vets coming back all fucked up and they couldn't get help. You know, we should should do something about our veterans. I mean, because look where we've been for the last couple of years. We argue about pronouns. And whether a fucking transgender person can use the bathroom and we don't give a fuck about, you know, oh, I don't know, a, a perpetual state of war that has no end in sight, no matter how good of a, of a telescope we look through. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of one of the reasons yeah. I, 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 I'm, people are like, well, why do you kind of look down on like, the younger generation? Because you fuckers are out here rioting over bullshit, over tax returns. You know what? Say what you want about the baby boomers. Yes, they they started out as hippies and they became yuppies. They sold out or bought in, as they'll tell you. But they they were a major reason Vietnam ended as quick as it did because the country was like, holy shit, a whole generation of people are seriously pissed off and they're going to be in power at some point. Right? Yeah, the, the politicians started going, "Fuck, we're going to actually lose votes if we don't stop this shit." And it was and, both and sides. Now, and both, both, both Democrats and Republicans were feeling the heat. Look at the '68 convention in Chicago. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so what do you have now with Afghanistan? You have an admittance by just about everybody. There is no game plan. There's no idea of what victory looks like in Afghanistan. And also, there's no way out without <laughs> it's, it's, somebody yeah, some looking people, like the bad guy. Yeah, some people. It's a, just a smooth piece of glass. There you go, Victor. Yeah. There's no Check. reasonable out. But yeah, it's it's like it's like we're playing chess, but we but even if we capture the king, the game doesn't end. So what's the point of the game? Yeah, we caught the king, right? Didn't we catch? We caught our, the boogeyman. You know, they're uh, they're having a White House correspondence dinner, and we were catching the boogeyman. We got Bin Laden, but Al Qaeda is catch, stronger than is stronger than ever. Did we catch both boogeymen? Because didn't we catch uh, Hussein was in a hole? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a little different situation because you're actually taking a leader out of power and trying to put a democratic government in place. But we should have left I mean, that guy there. there is that, you know, what, what when we took away their leader and tried to. 
put somebody in place and say, okay, this is the guy who tells you what's up now. Everyone, wait a minute. We've already got guys like that. They're called imams. And they're saying that I should take this AK and rise up against the U.S. and and their uh, their puppet administration. Ah, they didn't, Shit. They didn't know Ice yeah, Cube's rules for a good day, on, man. Hold on. If it, you got to remember, the groups that whose roots are, are strongly in their religious beliefs, it's not just America. They're fighting all infidels. They got a special... Yeah. They they got a special like reserve of bullshit to pull from they've convinced themselves about. You know, oh oh, we're not even going to bother to try to convert you. We just want to obliterate you off the planet. I mean, that's that's the the mentality that these type of people have. And that's like I I I understand. There's no reasoning with those type of people, but there's all, since there's no reasoning with them, why are we going around pissing them off if we don't need to? Right, and it, because people would not accept from any leader the idea that, well, look, there's always going to be crazy fucked up people in the world, and the best that we can do is minimize their resources and try and contain them. And the concept of eradicating terrorism is, you know, it's almost as obscure as trying to cure death like it's just an inevitable fact of life one day, one day we're going to beat that pex, that pesky death right yeah. hey, I think Sing- we have a better chance of beating death in the long run than we do terrorism hey singularity's close well, but, I mean, yeah, all, all the American people want to hear is, well, just tell me that you're doing something to protect me because I'm scared yeah and you know the really sad part is I don't even think <clears throat> I think deep down most people they're not scared but if you asked them, they'd say they were because they, 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 they've been, we've been told it so much. It's like a certain percentage of us feel that we just have to feel that way. But if you ask them, do you feel any, it's honestly right now, as you sit here talking to me, do you feel any danger of any, th- or any threat from terrorism? I think very few people be like, yeah, I work in the Rensen. That's the first strike, you know, place for Detroit. So I kind of, it's in the back of my mind. Most people just go, yeah. Every, every two weeks I do. Trust me, it's always in the back of my mind, because especially now I'm going to the West Coast when these things are full of fuel. But, you know, whatever. That's what drinking's for, right? Just <laughs> make, make it a double. <laughs> I just saw a guy get on, and right. he, said, which, he said when they're in the air, which way is east? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> Keep bringing well, them. Look, we all get into our cars every day and drive on the freeway. Oh, absolutely. And no, nobody, does, nobody does so thinking that, you know, wow, the statistics of me getting into a crash and possibly killing myself or somebody else are actually higher than I'd like to think about. You know, we just accept this. Now, if we had on TV every day reporters going, if you drive on the freeway, you're X amount of percentage likely to, to uh, suffer a crash and possibly die. And that's all the media can talk about is how dangerous the freeway is. Yeah, you're going to see less people willing to actually drive on the freeway because... It's dangerous, people. The, Stay in your houses. The, the fear has been put into them, you know? It hasn't been put into them. The, the reasonable fear has been stoked to an out-of-control fire. I mean, everybody should have... Fear is a reasonable reaction that can go out of control. Should you be afraid that a terrorist wants to kill you? Yes, but 
probably only in the situation where you're actually confronted with a terrorist that wants to kill you. Exactly. Otherwise, it's like the meteor that might fall out of the sky. Go about your life. And, I mean, I know this is so fucking cliche, but it, it's true. Isn't that the point of terror? To get people to stop living their lives the way they normally would right. without the threat of terror there? I mean, I goddamn, I know. So it's, it's, I, mean, I might as well say, freedom isn't free after I say that. But I, it's true. It's true. Right. It's, you want it's to eradicate terrorism? Stop being afraid. Well, how much longer? How much longer until these 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 incidents that we've had, if they keep happening, which they seem to have, I don't want to say slowed down, but uh, is there a better way to describe what's happened as far as like we had the nightclub shooting and well, this shooting and this? I mean, are we just not hearing about it as much, or has it slowed down? That's why uh, I hesitate right. to say slowed down. Not around Summer's the world. coming. Temperatures go up. People get it's more agitated. In the U.S., it's been domestic terrorism. Not so around the world. Around the world, it continues to escalate. Well, okay, and I'm talking about in the U.S., and the reason I'm talking about the U.S. is because more and more, as more states, I mean, right now, Michigan, you know, Rick Schneider wants to get rid of the permit to carry. You have a right to, according to him, own a gun. You have a right to carry a gun, as long as you are not a felon or have a drug conviction. Okay, so you're saying... Yeah, he wa- he wants to make it kind of automatic that anybody any licensed weapon whole, uh, weapon owner can carry that on their person. They don't need to get a concealed carry permit. Exactly. So like as Texas it, and shit. So as our society becomes more and more armed, which it is doing, um, how long until one of these incidents happen where it's you got people who start fighting back, not running from the situation? How long is it until people start pulling out you know weapons? And trying to kill the people who are going around, you know, running cars into groups of people or shooting up the club or whatever the fuck. I mean, there's basically there's no carry zones, and that's going to be the only places that they're going to be able to feel comfortable to attack without being stopped. Because if there's one thing I know, if an American has a gun, 90% of the time, they're looking for a reason to use it, especially people who open carry. That's kind of like, look at me, look what I'm doing. I mean, I, I totally agree with Jay on that one. When it comes to concealed carry, open carry makes you nothing but a target. And it's nothing right. but an ego stroke. Concealed yeah. carry, if you are really worried about your safety and you're not worried about being Billy Badass with a gun on his hip, carry it concealed. You know you have it, so you can act accordingly. Why do you need yeah. other people to know you have it? Oh, it's a, de- oh. It's, it, it's a deterrent. No, it Open just makes carry you- is like, try that shit on me. I dare yeah. you. Exactly, because we all know there's there's people who react to a passive announcement of "I will fuck you up if you mess with me," which is what that is. Right. There's people that react to it with, "Well, then fuck you, motherfucker," and get in that person's face, and that's just going to provoke a situation. And on top of that, if you have someone looking to do some damage, and they see people walking around with a gun on their hip, they're taking them out first. You ain't getting a chance to play your fucking hero fantasy out. You're you're the first one who gets it. So I, I'm just wondering how long until it starts becoming we fight back against right. that before the cops show up. Well, no, you know, the guy walks into the restaurant with the intention to rob it, and he sees me sitting there with a, with a pistol on my hip. He's going to think twice about it and probably leave. Or he's going to shoot you first. Or, or Take your gun. Now he up. has two guns. 
Right. He's going to walk up behind you while you're eating your burrito and put one in your head and let that be a message to anybody else that wants to fuck with him. Yeah. Any, yes. Any other heroes? Now, now that I have your attention, yes. Yes. this is a robbery. Now that we yeah. can have a conversation. Got that out of the way. I mean, seriously, if I'm if I'm if I'm a robber and I'm living in a in a, a state or an, or an area, <laughs> a robber, huh? A robber. Five. If I'm a, a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, man, when I put when I rolled up my character, I chose his occupation. It said robber. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so when I put on my mask, <laughs> he's a thief. And yes, my. I'm- Get my bag with the money with the dollar sign on yes. it. See, thief, I think of wear like my sneaking, prison clothes. Thief, I think of like wearing the the the, the, the hamburglar mask and hopping in through your window <laughs> and right, being all quiet. A robber, I think of walking in being like, you know, break yourself, ski- empty, run your shit, you know, and just right. start robbing ass style. Uh, I see. Really, no, you've got the you've got the Lone Ranger mask. You've got what the the Andy Cap type of hat on, but it's black. You're wearing a black turtleneck. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I look vaguely French, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, uh, if, if, I, if I'm in that situation, and I know that I live in a state where there's concealed carry, even if I don't see a, a handgun on someone's hip, I'm like, oh boy, what are the odds? Like, I'm going to tell you, if I was in Romeo, I wouldn't rob a diner in Romeo. Let's put it that way. Oh, shit, no. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't rob a, d- a diner in the Thumb or the Upper Peninsula. No, that ends with you giving them your shoes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I pull out a little fucking 380, and next thing you know, there's like 50 cal desert eagles pointing back at me, and I'm like, I am so sorry I pulled this gun. Here, you can have that. Hey, look, guys, I got your present. Sorry. <laughs> right. You put your hands up. All right, you got me. Let's call the cops, get this over with. <laughs> cops. We ain't calling the cops we are for the like cops. Four, four or five hours. <laughs> hey, boy, we don't call cops around here. Get the gimp. <laughs> See, seriously, once again. Redneck ideals and culture, hood <laughs> ideals and culture—they kind of overlap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, flip sides of the same coin. If only their bigotry could bring them together. Well, that's why I love that. I think I sent you guys this, or maybe maybe Aaron, you sent it. I don't know. I, I remember it was in the in the in the group chat, the Saturday Night Live skit with Tom Hanks as the redneck. On uh, ask like Black Jeopardy, that's what it was. Black Jeopardy. Oh, I didn't okay. see that. Okay, so there's 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 two black women and there's him. And uh, yeah, but it's like six minutes long, dude. I don't know ah, the gotcha. time stamp. To, I don't know the time stamp to get to where it gets good. There's a lot of setup in that one. Anyways, it's Black Jeopardy, so they're asking questions, and finally, you know, Tom Hanks rings in, and it says uh, the new iPhone will be able to be accessed. By a thumbprint. And he's like, what is, I don't trust that government shit. They're watching us. And the two black ladies are like, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. We feel the same way. (laughs) And then, like, the next one is, like, a skinny woman could do this for me. And he rings in, not a damn thing. And they're like, you go, boy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so at the end for Final Jeopardy, it's like, okay, Final Jeopardy question. And he's he's in the lead, by the way, Tom Hanks is, on Black Jeopardy as a redneck. Blank, no. These are the lives that matter. And he just looks at Tom Hanks and he goes, "Sorry, Doug, you did real well up to this point." <laughs> 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 it's the truth, though, man. I remember fucking Chris was like, "They actually aired that." Holy shit! And it's recent because it had Leslie Jones in it and the shit. So, 
it's really the truth though man I, I i crack up about it ice t said that shit like 25 years ago he's like you know how i know that rap and country aren't that different we both wear hats and jeans to the fucking grammys we both sing about our neighborhoods we both sing about doing shit that we probably shouldn't be doing johnny cash i shot a man in, in reno just to watch him die you know how's that different than six in the morning telling a story right. you know you're telling a story both thinking about killing cops Right. What what do people say about like their favorite rap artists and their favorite country artists? Well, they came from like my neighborhood. You know, maybe not my neighborhood personally, but a neighborhood like mine. They were raised like they they grew up with the sh- the type of shit that I did. They understand my struggle. Exactly. And I've never once thought, does Katy Perry understand my struggle? <laughs> so well, teenage girls think that though. I think my <laughs> daughter, my daughter wasn't well, a teenager quite yet, but yeah. I believe that she she thinks that Katy Perry understands her struggle. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, took a second. I'm just thinking that... that, Which is to say, my daughter has no struggles. (laughs) Well, I didn't want to say that. It's your daughter. Struggles of being 10 (laughs) and living with her parents. She She shouldn't. (laughs) I mean, certainly they can build character, but let's be honest. They took away my Wi-Fi the other day. (laughs) Struggles of being 10. God, I, yeah, I, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, I remember, remember my, my daughter's older, so I, but 10 year olds these days having fucking cell phones Dude, and shit. I didn't even think about that. Mine was if you took my bike. Oh, yeah. If you took my bike when I was 10, we were going to have a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that was, that was your freedom right there, man. Yes. That's how you got the fuck out of bike the house or away nin- from all the bullshit. Bike or Nintendo, I'll be honest. Depends on if you had brothers or sisters who were like, if if it, if you were always fighting over who's playing the Nintendo, I'd rather sometimes just go ride my bike as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't feel like getting into a fist fight over Mario today. Sorry, guys. I'm going to go to the comic yeah. book store. We didn't really have game systems, but mom would just straight up take away the whole TV. Damn. Yeah, that, that, too, that meant business. If the TV yeah. stayed off, they're like, all right, now we're suffering because you fucked up. Yeah. Well, we had a small one. So... It, it would just go the fuck upstairs, like it's just. Oh, she I guess I'm not. Fuck her up and walk off with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's some that's some that's some real shit right there, man. Like my dad was slick. He would he would come home and he'd go, "Okay, you're grounded from the TV. You get out of school at three thirty. I get home at five. I don't want to watch you. I don't want you watching TV in an hour and a half." And the first day, I was like, "How the fuck's he gonna know I'm watching TV?" But I didn't. He'd come home, first thing he did was went over there and put his hand on the TV and on yep, the table. Yep. He was like, if this shit's warm, that's your ass. And I'm like, <laughs> ooh, thank God I, I, I or, paused. Because I, I didn't think that through all the way. <laughs> oh, the other part, too, where they could get you, too, the, the static uh, on the screen. If there was oh, sta- yeah, how, how quickly it comes back on. Well, no, no, if there, was, no there was static electricity on the screen. If the screen had just been recently oh, yeah, used, yeah, yeah. you could touch the screen and there'd be static electricity all over it. <laughs> Next day, Rich is watching TV with the fan blowing on the back of it, and he's got a he's got a Swiffer wipe rubbing down yeah. the screen every five minutes. Yeah, I know, right? That's what I was gonna say. I'm dusting as I'm watching. You're like I'll dust during the commercials. Oh shit, he's home. He's okay. actually <laughs> dusting with a dryer sheet so as to soak up the static electricity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Oh, yeah. That was my dad. Was when it come to punishment. My dad was the one that was slick. My mom was the one that was like, rip something out of the wall. There, now you can't use it. Now that, and I'm sitting there going, you can't either now. So <laughs> what good did that do? 
It didn't, okay. My parents were smart enough to learn at some point sending me to my room was not exactly the greatest punishment. Oh, wait. Where all the shit is that I use it, where my guitar is? All right, cool. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. So that became a thing as well. And then, too, once a car came into play, it was obviously, you fuck up, give us your keys. <sighs> yeah, my, my dad never took my guitar from me because, and I asked him, why didn't you ever punish me like that? And he goes, honestly, I thought about it, but then I talked to your stepmom, and she's like, Richard, that's really one of the only things that boy is like passionate, super passionate about. And it's a creative thing. And when has his guitar ever got him in trouble? He's like, okay, well, we'll take everything else from him. <laughs> right. That's a very TV. Good. We'll flash forward to 10 years. I mean, that's a whole a bunch of times your guitar though. got you in trouble. Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, a lot of parents think those things through all the way. They just look at where are the, what are your kids' pressure points? You know, if it's something that they like, well, then that's something that I can use to try and control these maniacs. And, well, I use my own kids as an example. Um, you know, they're being of uh, the generation that they are. They love their electronics. Uh, my son's got an iPhone. Daughter's got my old Android. It's not actually hooked up, but she can get Wi-Fi, and she uses that all the time. Um, they've got their, you know, their DSs, iPads, all that shit. When my son fucks up at school, he gets all that shit taken away. And I understand the the justification for for doing that, and certainly that's something that you know he's he has done better at school. And part of it is because he doesn't want to be without all of his electronics. And whatever works is is a, is a lot of it though you know dumb video games and stupid YouTube videos. It's fucking off. Yeah, but That's what you're good at at that age. But it's it's different. I mean, first of all, we shouldn't really try and apply our relationship with technology to upcoming generations' relationships with technology because they're they're going to be different. Oh, it already and is. This, yeah. And this concept of trying to... I mean, should you try and limit behavior when you see it get out of control in any situation? Absolutely. But this idea of you're only supposed to use your electronics for one hour of the day. We have allotted times for this shit. That's that's insane. You're, you're really not going to be doing nothing but holding your kids back, ultimately. Because whatever you think of the the next generation, they're all going to be working with each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. My sister's one, she limits their screen time, but her philosophy behind it is, like, as soon as high school, it's over. Like, your, your face is going to be shoved in screen soon enough. Like she, yeah. She's just trying to just I'm not teach saying them it's a to, good or a bad to thing. interact with people before. It's just, you know, as soon as high school, bam, here, everything's on computer. I can't limit your screen right. time anymore because that's how you learn. Like... Well, also, there's. You should have as, some. It's not as like as much as when we were kids. The electronics we had were time waster electronics. Nintendo, Genesis, whatever. Hey man, I had them in handheld LCD sports games too, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nowadays, if you, if if you go, you're only allowed on the internet one hour a night, and in <laughs> an hour, am I going to jerk off? And, <laughs> in an hour, uh. You could you could you could research something, 
and goof off and take a break from researching it and go look at stupid fucking YouTube vids or memes or whatever the fuck for 10 minutes and go back and go back to work and it's different it's not it's not it's not like okay you're using the internet to dick around for an hour you know what I'm saying so it's kind of I'm with you Aaron it's it's hard to right no I, put, I had ours, a our, our way of looking at it into how they do because it's, they grew up with it. It's always been there. It's a completely different thing to them. Yeah. It's right. not Is like, it, oh, this newfangled internet shit. Yeah. 90% of my son's activity involves, you know, Zelda and Monster Hunter and, you know, stupid videos, funny animal and cat shit and whatever. But then there's 10% that, like, the, the other day, I started talking to him about the science fiction book that I was reading and how it had these fucking crazy concepts of uh, of um, multi-dimensional space and how uh, different uh, um, different races in the in the universe were using these as basically weapons to you could flatten out a whole solar system of people just by putting it into a two-dimensional space. And like I was saying, I'm since 13 years old, and we were having this like crazy, intense conversation about this shit. And wait till he tells you about ATM. It. <laughs> and so, you know, a, a lot of that comes from shit that he's read in, online and books, and certainly books too. He's got a lot of science books, and he's just interested in that in general. But. He has access to way more information than I had at his age. Yeah. And did I have the potential to think of the... Yeah, I mean, I was the kid who would... Uh, you know, at his age, I, if I went out at night, I was, like, entranced with the sky. Like, just looking up at the stars, trying to imagine how far away they actually are. Trying and, and imagine the concept of infinite space. You know, these were things that blew my mind. But if I had the internet at my fingertips at that age, there's so much more that I could have understood. I think that's another part of it, too, is uh, that some people, a lot of people have a fear of technology, and our dependence on technology really doesn't subdue that fear, really. It makes us accept it in certain ways mm -hmm. that are uh, that make our lives easier or provide more entertainment for us to distract ourselves with, but it also makes us uh, lean more into the uh oh what, what was the the um corporation in terminator skynet mm -hmm. it, it makes us lean more towards the skynet side of things like yeah you know well you know i like to i like the internet and i like playing candy crush but all this is ultimately going to be used to control us and turn us into robots and i think it, part of that fear is that like n not only is there more information out there but i'm not absorbing it and younger generations are at an alarming rate. You know, else I'm angry at them about, they will never know the frustration that was the squiggly line channel. <laughs> all right. And two, and I'm giving them at least a five-year porn curve ahead of us. All right. right. They're probably learning. They're probably learning about shit at 13. We didn't even know about till like you're 18 or 19. Like what? That's a thing. They will never have to figure out the porn hacks for the cable. Yes. Like when you switch channels really fast or hit the A-B button on the remote that you really didn't know what it did but made the uh, snow go away for half a second so you could see some squiggly boobs. And the Internet's got to yep. be real fucking uh, 
bad for business for Skinamax. I mean, what? What they 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 keep oh. their clothes on? You can't see penetration. What's this garbage? Right. It's gotten, a, had, it's gotten so bad that Cinemax has to make original programming that doesn't even feature boobs. I know, right? I had a coworker this week. We were talking about younger people and sex ed and stuff, and she's like, "The problem is you have adults trying to set the curriculum for kids." who are way more advanced than the adults want to know, let alone are ready to deal with. Yeah, exactly. Right. She's like, I'm talking 12-year-olds who are, 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 are experienced at giving blowjobs this, in this day and age. And I'm like, God damn. I mean, 12? Yeah, I know, right? Dude, 12. Yeah. Seriously. Like, I was I mean, just right. You're discovering, like, whoa, hey, these, they have boobs now, and I like yeah. that, and I don't know why. But it's good. That, that's yeah. that's me at twelve. Like that's just starting to like coalesce. Now I mean, you want to sit want... down and tell your kids that? Well, you see, when a, a man's penis gets hard and a woman's vagina gets wet, you can insert it. Like, like I saw the shit like Dad, four years ago. Dad, I just want to know how do I handle birth control in a three-way situation? Like you know, <laughs> Dad, when they're all lining up. To blow me in the back of the school bus. I mean, what's the etiquette? That's what I'm looking for. All right, <laughs> I who mean, goes first? Who goes last? Does your girlfriend go first? Does she go last? What's what's the, what's the move here, Dad? I mean, here's the thing. I from just a purely cold scientific way of looking at it, just looking through the the, the the prism of just pure biology. I understand when it when boys start shooting loaded loads instead of blanks, and girls start having their period that sexual curiosity if it doesn't arrive with it it's not too far behind why does this happen why did this not happen before but i mean if you're if you if you're talking to a 12 year old and they're like describing different blowjob techniques that's some shit most women hey, in our talk, generation you go talk to your mother even, i mean didn't even understand until way later in life. I mean, I know I'm 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 generalizing, but no, no, you're right. I mean, a twelve year old's going to tell me the difference between a, giving a blowjob while twisting her hand and cradling his nuts versus no hand technique. I'm going to sit there and be like, "Who the fuck molested you as a kid?" Yeah, that's what Love Line taught me. If you know about sex early on in life, somebody touched you, but not that. That was all. That was pre-internet. That was yes. that was babe. That was infancy of the internet. Like that doesn't apply these days, though. That's the problem. Clerks and two he, brought up ATM probably a little bit after I actually found out what it was. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> now this is something you probably find out when you know it's middle school. It's 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 and see, I, the reaction my my reaction instantly is like horrified. But then I'm like, okay, wait a minute, hold on a sec. That's not helping anybody if that's everybody's reaction. Well, you have to deal with this situation in the reality that the situation exists. You can't just go, I wish it wasn't like this, and act it as if. Dude, it's, shit, it's not going to work. There's shit that happens every day where I say to myself, my God, I'm so glad I don't have kids. I, I don't know. Especially to, like, grabbing by the pussy was probably a real interesting time to have kids. Yeah. Pro probably like with us, uh, I mean, we were all in high school or, or beyond, but... Uh, it's probably fun in the late 90s with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. That's probably some fun dinner table conversation for some people. And the, the late night jokes in monologues was, congratulations, people. Blowjobs are no longer a sexual act. 
Because yeah. if you say, I didn't have sex with that woman, well, he didn't vaginally penetrate her. So blowjobs are off the table as far How as How many sex. free beegers did that score some dudes in the late 90s? Hey, listen, honey. See, president says it's not a sexual act. As much as as much as uh, Jesus and and has probably scored a lot of guys some backdoor action. Yeah. Like I'm saving this for marriage. That's okay. Right. That's God, fine. I didn't fuck him. I just stuffed <laughs> a guitar a cigar up my pussy and blew him. <laughs> yeah, I I'm still I'm still hold down there for my husband. All I've had is an anal gangbang ran yeah. on me. I just blasted my ass for the last four to five years. It literally, yes, I have a pink sock hanging out between my cheeks, but my vagina is perfectly intact. Oh. <laughs> I mean, don't worry, don't worry, honey. I only took my black boyfriends in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it, it's. But honestly, that was a joke. That was ha ha ha. We laughed about it. Fast forward five, ten years. Oh. I'm hearing in the news, teenagers don't consider blowjob sex. It's right. like. It's it's that's like on par with us when we were like up under the shirt dry hump until there was a wet spot on our jeans. That's what a blowjob is to them these days. And part of me goes, God damn it, I was born too fucking early. <laughs> Kids these days. <laughs> but then another Lucky part motherfuckers. Of like, like uh, still that's too young, man. Yeah, that's exactly. Too young. I mean, I, to me, I, maybe I, I'm too old-fashioned. You hit high school. It's in my mind. It's pretty much game on as far as everything sexually with with kids. Oh, yeah, I, I got a nephew. He's going to be going in high school soon. I'm like, good lord, because he he's now an age where I remember the shit that was swirling around in my head, and I'm like, oh my god, thank God I'm not your father. <laughs> yeah, especially if you get outside of areas where they handle sex ed. A little more proactively. Like I just got to admit, I think I'm like, dude, you probably know way more about sex than I do when I was your age. Like you have like, an internet connection. You get into you get into areas where they're very reaction have a very reactionary attitude about sex ed. They're not even teaching to the in this day and age. Because in all our lives, from, from when we were little kids, we were told sex will kill you if you do it if you have unprotected sex enough. It's not a matter of if and when, or it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. They don't even show fucking kids these that's, days how to put rubbers on. That's a fucking lie. I mean, like, seriously? What's the point of sex ed? We're just going to show them the egg no, that's fertilized show them by the sperm. How, well, this is a, another conversation. You show them how not to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. How to protect themselves, period, because that's what they're doing. And these are the same people who are like, well, I taught my five-year-old how to shoot. That way he was going to grow up knowing how to protect himself. Teach him how to put on a rubber when he was 15? No, he don't need to know that. Okay, I failed. See, I failed to see the, I was, I was the logic in that. Your boy Patrice O'Neill, though. Why should I deny a woman my texture? <laughs> <laughs> Safe sex is a woman's responsibility, and he kind of proved his point when he brought up. He's like, he, and here's how. When he brought it up, it was genius. He goes, because if me as a guy, I whip out a dental dam, and there was see a dumbfounded faces. In the audience, and he goes, "No one, no one knows what a dental dam is." A few claps. He goes, "Okay, well, ladies, basically, it's a little piece of a garbage bag I lay over your pussy in case it's going to kill me, so I can give you oral sex." He's like, "Now, if I whip that out, how if what, what, you think I'm? You think I got something? Blah 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 blah. Nope, I'll throw that right out the window. It's up to you to, to make me <laughs> protection. <laughs> I'm not going to insult my way out of pussy. Nope, nope, nope. I don't think you have anything, honey. I'll just raw dog it." You know, we're both going to, I was thinking the whole time, we're both going to die, but boy, it's fun.
but yeah, it's 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 kind of eye opening because I work with um, a person, and she's going to be a phys ed slash health teacher, and so the conversations we get into, because she's at the part for education where she actually goes in and, and teaches classes and stuff, and we've talked about different stuff, and I'm just like, wow, that's not a job that I would want these days. I'm way too I'm way too guttural to have that job. I couldn't I couldn't navigate that minefield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right. I'd be like, here's the deal. This is oral, vaginal, and anal sex. We're going to learn about them. Isn't anal sex gay? I'm presenting it in a gender-neutral way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm, not, I'm not declaring any act gay or straight. It's just I'm teaching you because you're going to need to know this shit. In this scenario, no one has any sex organs. Everybody has an ass. Wait, that wouldn't work. Someone's got to have a sex organ. I, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and of course, we're talking unless they just like, do the whole pooping back and forth. I know, a reverse human centipede. Well, dude, okay, wait a minute. Don't tell me that because now I'm probably gonna like have to go. That's not real. And don't then, do yeah, it. Gonna find don't out it's do real. it. Don't do it. Let it's someone like, who listens to this do it. It's like fucking Aaron with his. Oh yeah, so they got a speculum. They pried open her gash. They poured some Captain Crunch in there and some milk, and we're eating out of it. I was like, no, they didn't. That's sure the as shit, fir- looked it up. That's the first thing you searched as soon as we were done. Rich, I, I didn't say that. I would. I have never <laughs> referred to a woman's pussy as a gash. <laughs> what did you say? Hatchet wound? Something? <laughs> I might have said it, that. You gave it some nickname. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I don't deny having nicknames for it. It's just. Gash is a gash is such a violent one. See, I, I wasn't know. I wasn't assigning appropriate. I wasn't assigning crudeness or not to the term. I just knew that you didn't say vagina because if you just said speculum and vagina in the same phrase, I'd have been like, "You missed your calling, man." <laughs> you should have been a gynecologist. But no, yeah, first, first thing it is, look it up. And I was like, "This is goddamn this exists." I'm not. It was like after Doug Stanhope said cock fingering exists. I had to go find oh. it. And I was like, oh, because I didn't run into a video where it was a finger. It was a fucking whole vibrator. Jesus. And I was like, oh. That poor urethra. Dude, all I could think is, well, eventually when I do go in for open heart surgery, I'll just try to remind myself as we're putting the catheter in, at least it's not that. Because that, that was, oof, yeah. Hey, man, they going through your leg and shit now, man. Dude, seriously, I was waiting for his dick to be like a hot dog. It's been in the microwave too long. It's just split on the side. I mean, it was. I was just waiting for it. It was like horrified, but at the same time, couldn't take my eyes off it. I found it. The pooping back and forth is from. What is wrong with you people? You I was. You were too quiet. I knew something was going on. No, no, no. It's from a movie. Um, it's from a movie called Me, You, and Everyone We Know, and it's by Miranda July. And the, there's this l- little kid who like looks something up weird on the internet and tells uh, another his older brother about it, and that that was the thing. Like they were they were pooping back and forth into each other's butts. <laughs> <laughs> Hit Urban Dictionary and find out what that's called. Because <laughs> there there's has to also, be a name for it now. There's an emoticon for it. As well. It is gross. <laughs> You just you flip around the open and close brackets, and you put the greater and and then and, and lesser than signs uh, ass to ass. <laughs> that shit is gross. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh God! That shit is gross. Uh. <laughs> 
you have we have we have we significantly grossed you out, Chris? A little bit. <laughs> you sound Sorry. a little. Like you might be the one going. I gotta hit the bathroom real quick. Sorry, we gotta wrap this up. Nah, it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's move on to lighter fare then, because we've all seen Guardians oh, of the Galaxy. Now, boy, did we, boy, did I see it. Oh, what did what did you think, dude? Fucking, I don't, I know this will probably make me a punching bag from here on out. I fucking cried the last five minutes of that movie, and not like. Uh- now, now, too, I mean, it wasn't, For like, Yondu. We, it wasn't like a couple tears, yeah. and it wasn't like snot bubbles and audible sobbing, but it was definitely, there's moisture coming out of the eyes, and when you, you know, when you do the inhale, it wasn't one breath, it was like three or four, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> that, the last five minutes of that movie just destroyed me, man, like. It, it's kind of brilliant the way that the, the relationship between, uh, between Star Lord and Yandu was set up in the first movie, and they're playing and then, uh, the cat, and then revealed in the second one. They're, they're playing the cat, Steve, and I'm like, man, this is gay, predictable. Thirty <laughs> seconds later, I'm fucking just right. like going like, oh my god, like right. And I, I like the way they handled it too because they started setting up mid- throughout the the second movie. They started setting up some things that were meant to tell you. Maybe the relationship between Peter and uh, and uh, uh, Yandu isn't really what we thought it was, and it was in the re- the repeated phrases of like, "What would Yandu? Why why did Yandu keep you? Oh, he needed me to fit into tight spaces, you know. Uh, he said if I didn't do what he said, that he would eat me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And like the the more the that those phrases kept popping up. I was like, "This, there's something else going on with their relationship." Clearly, clearly, by driving this point home, he's really trying to tell us this is not what, at least, not what Peter thought it was. Um, it's uh, yeah. So well, he summed it up at the end when he said, "You may have had, you know, that guy might have been your father, but I was your daddy." Right. But- so, so they tell. They tell the heritage of what, you know, what makes Star-Lord Star-Lord, but then do this kind of left turn afterwards and say, but that's not really his dad anyway. I mean, what really makes this guy a hero is this guy. The guy that you thought up until now, he thought up until now, was his captor, and really it was his savior. It was the only one looking out for him in a world that you know, he had no mother left. His father was gone. So, yeah, I, while I think a lot of a lot of the criticism that I read, because not everyone loved this movie, I think most people conceded that it was a... What's a, wrong with people? It's a, a great good movie. movie. But not everybody was sold on, on the relationship of, uh, you know, Star-Lord and, and Ego, the living planet. And... You know, I thought myself that it, it fell a little flat on me, but I think I realized that it was kind of supposed to. Yeah, yeah I don't think was, he ever fully trusted you. him the whole time. Right. The, the it, it, is, it was telling you that this is not the real relationship. This is not the real story. We're going to get the story of Star-Lord's dad, but this isn't really it, because he's not really his dad. He's just the guy who provided the seed. Yeah, and on top of that, his affection 
I guess, Ego's affection towards Star-Lord only extended as far as what he, what he, what he could use him for. Like he, I, he, when he, when he was right. talking to him, it always seemed like he was when he was telling stories of his mother and him, like it seemed like these were very well rehearsed in his mind. And I'm going to tell him this story to get him to, to, to soften him up, to get him to drop his guard a little bit. Like there, there seemed to be an ulterior motive to it. It didn't seem like he was genuinely remembering. Like I, I, I don't know if, they, if I'm just reading yeah. too much into Kurt, uh, Kurt Doug, or <laughs> Kurt Russell's acting. Kurt Russell. No, I hear you. It, it wasn't so much like he was reminiscing; he was just regurgitating. Yeah, he was telling him like, "Oh, this is what a father would do." Would he would tell him stories about me and his mother that he didn't know? Right. And this is, it's like okay. It's like he read a book on how to be a dad, and he's going chapter by chapter, line by line, following right. the book's advice. Whereas, yeah, you know, Yandu was like, "I picked, I picked, Chris, you picked it up. You picked it up right away in the first one. The the the, the father son feel between those two in the first in the first movie. Because when we started, when Aaron and I started talking about, it, we mentioned Ego was his dad. You were like, I thought it was Yandu. Yeah, and I'd forgot that Yandu was a. Uh... Yeah, I'd, I'd be refreshed of the story. You know, you guys are way more into right. this stuff than me. More right, off of the storylines. Yeah, they do clearly lay it out that, that Star-Lord's dad is MIA. And that Yandu may have raised him, but he was yeah. no father. I'd be reminded of that, that yeah, like he'd like threatened to eat him and all that shit. So, I can't say that this movie came together as magical as the first one did. But what it managed to pull off is kind of astounding. Um, on top of telling the big story... What, making Glenn Campbell sound cool? For starters. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we got more of the story and, and somewhat of a resolution of the relationship between Gamora and uh, Nebula. Um, you know, I I did laugh I when loved. she picked up the gun. It was humorous to me. Yeah, uh, Drax and uh, Drax is wonderful in this. Yes, I thought he was a, 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 uh, the unsung hero of this film as far as right. uh, comedy went. Oh, and yeah, so funny. So I know he had some of the the, the best one-liners in the first one, but he was on fire in this. Oh, when Mantis basically read Peter's mind and he started laughing and he was like, "Do me, do me." Yeah. That whole uh, yeah, I was, about, I was I am I am known for my gigantic turds. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Or near the beginning, where him and Star Lord are talking, and he's like giving Star Lord advice. And yeah, I'm just I'm just like that's what I said. I think his character they 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 definitely have a character progression in mind with his when it comes to him. And mm-hmm. I would like, like they to- wanted to show more than just the one dimensional borderline autistic. I take everything literally side. I would like to also just get out this out there again. This movie makes my case that Chris Pratt should be the new indie. Fuck this other guy that they have. Because you know why? Here's another thing. And I thought of it today. Make my case. I mean, we'll get the Twitter campaign going. I don't know. Indie also takes some comedic timing. I don't know if this dude who's going to be the new indie has that. We know Chris Pratt has it. Just saying. Yeah. Chris Pratt should be the new indie. Okay, this is news to me. They've casted, they've casted a new Indiana Jones. Some dude I'd never heard of till Aaron told me who it was. I told you who it was. Yeah, we did. We did this on a Weedsman, I think. 
Oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, no, I know they. I know they cast. I had forgotten the, already. I know they casted the Han Solo. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Who's I he? remember. Or I, no, you're. Oh, you're right. That maybe okay. that's where. Um, it was the young Han Solo movie. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Never mind. All right. And so, if you can hear my voice when you cast movies, Chris Pratt should be the new indie. Just saying. Anyway, back to the. I don't know. I loved it, man. That was a great movie. I laughed. I cried. I was not bored at any point in that two and a half hour long movie. Yeah. And even like the story kept moving, which is right? Good uh, in our ADD well, old age, yeah. Uh, like Civil War, I thought was a really super enjoyable superhero movie. There are a couple parts where I was like, "Let's just get on with it." And what the fuck are you doing here anyway? Yeah, but. Uh, there's very few other movies like uh, Winter Soldier is one that I mean Winter Soldier is just a hands down great movie regardless of costumes or not and there's no part in that movie that is like superficial unnecessary filler it's all tight story and I don't think that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 quite got to that uh, elevation but the way that they managed to or let's face it, that James Gunn managed to move all these complex pieces around and do so in a way that kind of that made sense and gave character development to everyone and introduced new characters. I mean, I was I was actually surprised how much I gave a shit about Mantis. And Mantis is such a weird character anyway. You know, yeah, uh, Mantis is Mantis is the uh, the alien succubi. It's the uh, you know the kind of Marvel trope of hot, sexy alien woman who likes to fuck with people's emotions. See, Ma- before what- the before this movie, Mantis always to me was like was like Jubilee. She's just there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, I love I love Jubilee. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, okay, Dazzler, I guess. I don't know. Like, you know, just pick one of like the the, well, the peripheral characters, and it always seemed. I just was like, I was eh, never really interested in the backstory. Boom, boom. I'll go with boom, boom on that one, but not okay. Jubilee. But yeah, you know, just <laughs> ne- never, never sought out the backstory. Never, you know, okay, what what comics was she in? What comics was she not in? I mean, I don't know. Honestly, a lot of this Guardians of the Galaxy shit is new to me because I had stopped reading comics way before they introduced this new lineup. I remember the four-issue limited series Rocket Raccoon because I have it, mm-hmm. but that was like 85. Trash Panda. <laughs> is, is, is that better than uh, Raccoon? Not really. <laughs> yeah. So totally worse. Oh, that's another nod to the writing because... Yandu as a character had to uh had to well not so much change as reveal a new side of himself as well as resolve his relationship with his let's call him stepson die in the movie and also be the resolution to uh to Rocket's story not a resolution to his story but an acceptance you know yeah. Rocket story Rocket uh while he may have had the least amount of development between all the characters, 
uh, we still did see some some growth in him as far as like well peter asked him near the beginning of the movie like what is your end goal here to get everyone to hate you because that's what's happening yeah and it was it was Yandu who called him on his bullshit, and also kind of made him see that like you're not alone either. Like, look, people do this. People get fucked up lives. They get shit thrown at them, and they want to push push people away from them out of fear of of just being too close because you can't stand. You think that's all there is in life is loss, right? Your life is so fucked up that to have another relationship only really means that you will ultimately fuck that relationship up in some way. So that's why he pushes people away. I, I, I really Everybody be- got way more development than, as a character than we're used to seeing in any comic book-based movie. And, and that's why this really see- transcends it. Especially yeah. sequel. sequel, right? See, see, yes. Most yeah. development you're going to get in the origin story, and then once they okay, we've established who they are. Now let's throw them into the situations. Right? Yeah. This is the sequel, especially in comic book uh, movie terms, is usually we've done all the hard work of setting up this character and making you care about him. Now we just get to throw punches and shoot guns. Well, I have to say, out of all the Marvel movies. And I mean, even though Disney isn't controlling the X-Men, I am I'm including the X-Men movies in there. I think these two movies are work the best. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I didn't know a lot about a, all the characters going into it. Like, if you go into a Batman movie and you don't know Batman's origin, then you're not right. paying attention. Same right, with no, Spider-Man. But, but I mean, but it's, be- it's because they were written well enough for for you to give a shit about them. Exactly. You know, giving a shit giving a shit about Captain America or Wolverine or Hulk or whoever can get you into the theater, but it doesn't automatically make for an interesting movie if those characters are written as two dimensional. Well, also, there's because I've known all the characters in the other Marvel movies since I was a kid. There's yeah. the excitement. Because I remember the fucking 70s Spider-Man TV show and, and movies. Hell yeah. And I mean, I remember the Electric that. Company? Yeah. And just being like excited to see Spider-Man. And yeah. that's how I just felt. Just to see in, some guy wearing the suit. And that's how I felt in 2002 when, when Spider-Man came out. I was like, oh shit, it's Spider-Man. And they didn't X-Men his suit. And they didn't, you know, cast people. They didn't cast someone who completely is the opposite of what his character actually is in the comic book. Right. You know, but, w- but once that wore off, I was like, eh. I mean, Spider-Man 2 was better than 1, and 3 was, to me, an abomination. I don't know what yeah. the fuck they were thinking. Oh, yeah. that, that's the studio meddling way too much, and Sam Raimi, I think, going, you want to stick your fingers in my pie? That's, fuck it. Yeah, that's exactly I, what it was. Because, I mean... Because Sam Raimi was, was asked about the um, upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming where we're going to see a Michael Keaton playing the Vulture. Yeah. And uh, an interview asked him, he said, well, you know, we found out today that Michael Keaton's going to be playing the villain in the new Spider-Man movie, and they're making it the Vulture. Now, that's interesting because the Vulture was the original choice of villain for the third Spider-Man movie in your trilogy. And he wasn't... You could definitely tell he was bitter about it. He wasn't outright slagging the studio, but 
Yeah, he was like, I wanted to have the vulture. They were studio is like, we're not making a movie with an old bald guy as the villain. And the toy company said, we can't sell an old bald guy as an action figure. So you're going to have to do Venom and Sandman. Yeah, and, and, and Venom himself could carry his own movie with his fucking right. backstory and everything, let alone be just part of a rogues gallery of, of okay, we're going to throw enemies at as right, many as we can fit in there. Down. Yeah. And see, that's, that's what I'm hoping with when they do the Infinity War movies. <sighs> I kind of hope I don't end up... It's not like, oh, hey, look, here's the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're going to watch them run around big explosions for two hours. Uh, I hope some of the humanity is fuck. kept. You know, because... <laughs> well, it's interesting, my, because... My main, fear is that these, my main fear is that if they're going to continue with a volume three, a volume four, if they do, then it's going to turn into a formula. Okay, every movie we're going to have new, you know, new old songs along with some obscure ones thrown in there. And, you know, okay, Star-Lord's going to be funny and Rocket's going to be acerbic and Drax is going to be, you know, funny and Groot's going to be cute, all this shit. And it just becomes just like, you know, a printing press. Okay, just, or a production line. Let's just put them out. Because these, I I think, are the most original Marvel movies Mm -hmm. out of all of them. Right. We know that we're going to get a third one. What happens to the franchise outside of that? Who knows? But it's not like people can, especially Disney, can just leave money on the table. (coughs) But I think what makes, what will make this eventual trilogy of movies stand out so much is that they make such a cohesive trilogy. Like you were saying, the Spider-Man trilogy. One good movie, one great movie, one shit movie. Um, You know, Captain America, well, we saw one good movie, one great movie, one clusterfuck of a fun movie, but really didn't tell much of a Captain America story, ultimately. Kind of more, it was more like Iron Man 4 than uh, than Captain America 3. Yeah. So, uh... You know, so like Winter Soldier stands out as an as an exceptional movie in my opinion. Spider Man Two stands out as an exceptional movie. But Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, they all stand. They they all three movies will eventually. I mean, assuming that the third one is the same caliber, will stand a little bit higher just by being together. It, it's I guess what ultimately makes uh, Star Wars such a a long-lasting phenomenon that you know if uh, if what happened with Star Wars was Star Wars got made because nobody really gave a shit, and then when it became a phenomenon, the second movie, the studio got involved, and everything went to hell, and then maybe a third movie never even got made, or maybe George Lucas had nothing to do with it. We wouldn't have that legacy that is Star Wars now. We would have this cult film Star Wars that people liked and people would probably still buy merchandise of, but it wouldn't be this worldwide phenomenon. The fact that you have this cohesive story that is really told through the vision of ultimately one person while he needs hundreds of people 
to accomplish that. And certainly James Gunn needs hundreds of people and the permission of Disney and Marvel and the studio heads to do what he has to do. It, it's telling that we get when when we have people with a vision that are allowed to execute that vision, the pure results that we can get from that. Well, and that, they knew that's what that's what makes these movies more special than most of the superhero stuff that we've seen. Well, they also knew that they were taking a huge, huge risk with this franchise compared to the other Marvel properties that they were putting out. Well, right. There's another analogy to Star Wars, though. Like, w- was Star Wars done because space movies were popular at the time? Because that's what people wanted to see? No. I mean, he got enough money because they were like, well, you know, hey, kids like this shit and whatever. And he was allowed to kind of do what he wanted to do. George Lucas was. Because they're like, well, if it it fails, fuck it, you know? It doesn't matter. We're not going to lose that much on it. And again, kids will go see anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. And and, and, and it's the same thing with Marvel. Yeah, it was like, here... You want to write some crazy trilogy story? Go ahead. You know, if the first one sells, we'll see how it goes. But ultimately, nobody knows all, any of these characters, so do whatever the fuck you want. Whereas with Iron Man and Captain America, it's like, whoa, we got to have this and that and that. He's got to say this in it. We got to see this scene where he's doing this. That's what people want to see. Yeah, and that's where that's where I get concerned that as. What they this movie opened up in the U.S. to what 145 million something like that. Yeah. So imagine what the worldwide take was. Probably ridiculous. I mean, probably close to what half a half a half a billion dollars by now if you include China. I yeah, mean, I would imagine so, it's it's going to be there soon. I think we're just between the opening weekends overseas in the U.S. I think that puts them like 250, 300 million. If Bautista's like wrestling, fuck that. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, yeah, now that it's now that it's a license to print money, I just hope the studio is intelligent enough to go. You know what? We were hands off, and we got to this point. Let's continue to be hands off. Yeah, let's hope- not try to shoehorn shit in here. Let's not try to make this a you know. Well, yeah. If you can give Hollywood props on anything, it's that they don't fuck with a formula that's working. Hey, all right. It, is, it says that the, the restaurant Sometimes. they chose to pair up with was Dairy Queen. All right, if it's McDonald's, it's over. Uh, for the Guardians, yeah, for the their, their, the, yeah, for their their restaurant, <laughs> their, their crossover stuff. Yeah, their restaurant marketing. They went with Dairy Queen. It's Dairy Queen, okay. like that movie couldn't go with Taco Bell or McDonald's. Really? <laughs> That's that was the first thing I thought. Like, huh? Come on now. It's gonna be like the biggest movie of the summer. And yeah, I, that is weird. That is very weird. Fucking Dairy Queen of all places. Yeah. I'd also like to point out, I've heard two people on two different podcasts, one national, one local. They're saying shit that I said two years ago about find out who Vin Diesel's agent is and get him. Because <laughs> he oh, probably yeah. got paid, you know, comparable to a lot of, you know, comparable salary. Uh, it's saying oh, yeah. it's a lot of these other people for what? Uh, uh, three words the entire time. Mm-hmm. Right. But he he also had to do. I mean, it's not like they just took him. I understand saying I am Groot and looping it. it was you still know, the same three words, Aaron. No, yes, but it's I, almost more of a challenge to take three words and make it into a lot of different things. I want a pie chart 
of Vin Diesel versus Chris Pratt of time spent on this movie. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, it's probably like two and a half hours. Maybe. Well, you know, speaking, speaking of Groot, that was another thing that kind of delighted me is that I didn't roll my eyes at Baby Groot at any point either. I was nothing but delighted by Baby Groot. And I thought that was going to be one of the things that w- that could possibly fuck up this movie, that could Jar Jar Binks this whole thing. I had a scene, uh, the scene for me, um, when he's given Yondu's uh, eulogy. Like, my eyes started to roll, and then they popped right out of it when he uh, started comparing them to David Hess. Like, talking about, yeah, they both went on kick-ass adventures and met a lot of chicks. Like, pop, <laughs> eyes, are, eyes stopped, half eye roll. Like, oh, never mind. Because so, I thought they were going all mushy. I was like, oh, here's where they remind you it's a Disney movie. Wait, no, right. never mind. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, Disney seems to have understood that it doesn't need to play the fucking sappy pull on your heartstrings straight down the fucking line like they used to in all their movies for decades and decades anymore. They figured out that, that even though we elected Trump, we're still, we're savvy enough to not have to have you know our melancholy spoon fed to us. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but, I mean, I have it, to say, overall, the first one. I mean, I've literally been on the show a handful of episodes. You guys were talking about it. It was the first movie I went and saw in the movie theaters in five years at that point. I went and I saw it and was like, walked out and was like, God damn, that was a good fucking movie. Comic book movie or no. That's just a good mm-hmm. yeah, action sci-fi movie, a good popcorn movie. So I'm saying guys like me, who generally are movie guys and generally are comic book movie guys, like, I'm in. Right. <laughs> You know, and seeing, another thing seeing the second I, one, I felt the same way. So, hey, two for two. I, I, pretty what good I really damage. love about these movies is the fact that they are in space, but it's a totally unrealistic space. And I'm totally fine with that because we're accepting the, the talking tree and raccoon. Well, yeah, you've already, yeah, exactly. dis- <laughs> you've already suspended enough disbelief for a talking robotic raccoon right. and a living Whereas tree li- thingy. Right, whereas like you see space battles in in Star Wars or Star Trek or something, and it looks like outer space. It's a bunch of stars off in the distance and blackness, and that's what that's what outer space looks like, at least for the majority of it. Was carrot but top th- and Easter these, egg in this movie? What? <laughs> but these the the space shots in here were these beautiful swirling galaxies and dust clouds and all kinds of shit, and it was like. Totally unrealistic, but it didn't fucking matter. It looked amazing. It was like a like a Kirby comic book come to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's 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 a very good way to put it. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed at myself. I didn't think of that. It, <laughs> it's like a it's like a visual comic book. Yeah, and it, I was okay with. Whereas a lot of these movies, when they do the comic movies, they're like, okay, let's go gritty, let's go real, make everything dark and rainy. Well, the, it's like, they okay, either that's have cool, to go, yeah, like cartoony or ultra gritty. They think are the only two directions that you can that you, you can go with comic books. And, well, don't get me wrong. If you look at the old Guardians of the Galaxy, even characters who are in the movies from the old or Guardians of the Galaxy, they're muted. I mean, it's not as it's not as 70s-tastic as it was as far as colors and shit. But it doesn't. It doesn't look fake. And is it just me? How do I? Okay, I, I watch this movie and I go, "How the fuck?" I realize it's been what twelve years since Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Okay, but how the fuck 
could this movie, I know is majority of it had to be filmed in front of a, a blue screen or a green screen. How does it look yeah. so much more realistic than going back and looking at Revenge of the Sith and going, really? Like, this is this was state-of-the-art, and it's only that long ago? Like, I think a lot of it is... A lot of it is in how they shoot the movie, because if you just <laughs> if you have two or three set pieces and a blue screen, and you just set a camera there and let people stand there and talk in front of it, the longer you focus on that, you're going to go. You can completely tell that's a fucking that's a that's an actual prop and it's a screen. This movie, it's like I just bought it. I wasn't like, oh look, special effects. There was no. I take it back. There's a couple parts the, during the, the opening fight scene. You could tell that they'd filmed that with 3D in mind. Oh, yeah. Well, too, uh, there was, uh, he was on Adam Carolla's show a couple weeks ago. James Gunn's brother actually stood in for a lot of those, a lot of that shit, too. Oh, yeah. So right. some of those scenes are actually talking to a person. Mm-hmm. Which I imagine has to help versus I've seen behind the scenes for the, the, the prequel movies, and it was literally a tennis ball on a string being right. held up on a stick. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is in the way that you handle it. Because let's look at Jurassic Park. I think we're all the the right age that, like, we probably went to see Jurassic Park when it was in the theater and went, holy fuck, like, those dinosaurs look real. Yeah. Like, that shit looks like they're, they're, they're walking amongst dinosaurs. How the fuck do they do all that shit? And then we watch it now, we're like, oh, it looks like computer graphics. Like, yeah. You know, how did I not see that at the time? But also, I mean, there's the one side of it is, is that our perception adjusts to the technology. So as we get more and more used to, uh, um, you know, these uh, digital animation in our movies, we become more attuned to what to look for. You know, we start actually paying attention to how the shadows are falling and how the hair is moving and. How is does this really look like it's moving and living in this space? So on one side, we're more attuned to that. But then also the, the other part, uh, Jurassic Park suffers not only from time, but also because that movie is almost entirely, look at how real these dinosaurs look. Yeah. Right? There's not a whole lot else there. And... There's all kinds of crazy shit in Guardians of the Galaxy, but none of it is, look at how, how realistic this monster looks. Well, I think you know? that's it. There's a lot of cool they, design well, yeah, in there. Yeah, there was a story there. That's the thing. At Jurassic Park, what's the story? Hey, come to right. our park. Uh, security breaks. People run from dinosaurs. Right. That's don't eat, generally don't the plot eaten. of Jurassic Park. Right. Well, I think it's also because in Guardians of the Galaxy, they seem to... Not only accept that they're considered sci-fi, but sci-fi fantasy. They accept the fantasy side. They're not. They're. They're. they're you walk in that movie automatically knowing you're looking at fantasy worlds. They're not trying to make it look realistic and be a fantasy mm-hmm. world at the same time. Or, you know, when you. I, to me, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like I look at even newer movies that use a lot of CGI. And it's like you're, just, eh, not, eh, you know, yeah. and that's not good. That's that, not good. And and there's still a lot of uh, practical makeup and effects going on in that movie too, and I think they, I think they deserve an award for that shit. I mean, the, even just for for Nebula's costume and makeup and all that shit, and she looks amazing. 
This is flat out amazing. The if, if these type of movies, they what they really need to do is they need to take their cue from both Guardians of the Galaxy and Rogue One, and realize that not every single thing you see on the screen has to be CGI. Practical effects and sets go a long way. Because I mean, you know, I've I've seen a little bit of behind the scenes of Guardians of the Galaxy. They're on sets that are built up a lot more than you'd have thought. Right. And it's like, oh shit, okay, maybe that maybe that helps also. But also, but actually, wearing the costume makes a difference in the performance that you get. You know, I mean, how many I- interviews do you hear with actors that have done parts where they have to wear like prosthetics or some shit, and they're like. You know, yeah, I have to sit in the chair for three hours while they put all this shit on my face. But God damn it, I I look in the mirror when I'm done, and I am that character. Oh, definitely. And it's not to say that you know that you can't give a good performance with no makeup on a on a green screen talking to a broomstick with a tennis ball on it. You know, but if I think you can do that if you're an exceptional actor. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, you kind of. You got to put your actors in the costumes in the space to help them be those people. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about seeing X Men and what was it, 2000 when it came out, and seeing Mystique and going, "Wow, that's Rebecca Romaine in body paint." And I never right. once looked at Michael Rooker and said, "That's Michael Rooker in a, a body paint." No, that's the Andrea. Right. Yeah, he he. It actually looks like his skin is that color. It's not an effect. Yeah. It's not a makeup job. Right. I don't know, man. Last, uh, uh, what the fuck? Uh, what's the name of the fucking last Star Wars movie? That's the movie. It's Rogue One. No, uh, one no, before uh, that. Yeah. Oh, uh, Force. The Force Awakens. Yeah. If I were actors, I'd be worried, man, because Homeboy was in a whole movie and he's been dead for twenty years. Like and and in no time were you ever like it, you know it didn't really strike you like it it was that good so yeah there's there's probably good and bad parts to the technology well that's gonna really put a cramp in those actors who were like uh yeah I'm not gonna do that well we'll get someone to replace you oh really like like Bruce Willis did on one of the Die Hard movies he goes who's your second choice to play uh, John McClane. <laughs> If it keeps going like it's going, they're just going to be like... Uh, Plastic this, surgeons. They, no, there you go. That's who should be upset. That's who should this, be killing this technology. This computer over here, that's who's going to replace you? Yeah. <laughs> we, we knew you're an asshole to work with, Willis. We already got we already yeah. got him fucking drawn up. Yeah, he ain't going to demand a trailer. He ain't going to demand a crazy salary. He ain't going to throw no temper tantrums. We're not going to have to try to you know cover up any dead hookers. You know? <laughs> We got a th- we got a th- three one two in in Ben Affleck's room. Oh, another hooker, Ben? No, I wasn't with a hooker today. <laughs> huh. Hey, b- before we wrap up the uh, the movie talk, I wanted to run past you because we've seen uh, a lot of previews for a couple upcoming the superhero movies. The next two big ones being Spider Man Homecoming and Wonder Woman. Have you seen all the the previews for these? Yeah, I have, and I kind of hate to say it. I just I don't give a fuck about either one of those movies, man. Because <laughs> you didn't get to Guardians early enough to see there were probably previews for both of those. Uh, I walked in at the last, like, 10 seconds of Spider-Man. I saw Star oh, okay. Wars. I saw uh, Ragnarok, and then boom. Ra- 
Thor Ragnarok looks like, looks like it's going to be fun. But uh, Wonder Woman, unless they're just doing a really exceptional job with their previews, which we know they can do. I mean, the previews for Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad are both great. The actual movies themselves, not so much. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the the looks like a just beautiful Fucking movie, the Wonder sucks. Woman does. And... I don't know. It, it looks like they're showing us. I mean, in the, they showed us a lot of action in the early previews for the the previous uh, DC movies that I mentioned, and they're showing us a lot more actual meat of the movie in the Wonder Woman previews. And it makes me think that there's actual an actual good movie there. Conversely, the more that I see of Spider Man, the more nervous I get. And I, I like Tom Holland as Spider Man. I was totally sold on his performance in Civil War. Yeah. I feel like I was being hyped for a movie that they're not quite doing. This I and maybe it was me reading too much into it or just fans reading too much into it. Those fans of us that wanted to see the more down to earth Spider Man, you know? Spider Man is what he's known as your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Before the Defenders became this like Marvel's new street team. That was Spider-Man's job. I mean, now yeah. if you pay attention to him in the comics, I mean, he owns a multi-million dollar corporation. He's flying all over the world. He's got spider planes and spider boats. And I mean, Cis- they just basically t- turned him into super worldwide Batman. Cisgendered white male Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> Top Although one, there one is, percenter. No, he's As Puerto part- Rican, isn't he? As part of the uh, free comic book day books, uh, there was a, a preview of the new, actually entitled Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man book that intends to do just that, to get us back to that old-fashioned Spider-Man. And that might be a, a, might be buying a Spider-Man book for the first time in years. Years and years. But the, the movie, I mean, they called it Spider-Man Homecoming, and while we understood that we didn't need the origin story again, we still wanted to see that story that I don't feel like we ever really got fully out of the either of the previous movies, even the Sam Raimi ones. And that's, you know, how Spider-Man starts. Like, how does this teenager, his teenager whose life gets turned completely upside down, deal with any of this crazy shit? And maybe we'll we'll see more of that. Maybe they're they just want to concentrate on the action stuff for the. But in the last Spider-Man preview, they seem to show you a little bit more of the plot. You know, he's got the Tony Stark Super Spider-Man suit with all its gimmicks, but then does some fucked up shit that that makes uh, Tony Stark lose trust in him. So he has to take back the suit, and so Spider-Man hit. Uh, has to make his own improvised suit and go out and fight crime on his own. See, I think the biggest advantage is both those mo- the Wonder Woman and the Spider-Man movie have going for them is that I- I'm assuming they're not going to sit there and tell the fucking origin story from the point we all know. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I think we're going to get a heavy origin story from Wonder Woman. This is going to be pretty much all wo- origin story, actually. See, like, m- unless they really show her as like in her her because she's an amazonian goddess unless they show her yeah. in that world i really have no interest in her i want to see oh, no, that you will. 
Like it's okay. It's like with Thor. I was like, ah, Thor, really? But then they showed his, you know, Asgard, and I was like, oh, okay, I can get into this movie now. There's something mm-hmm. a little bit different, right? I, I was thinking, well, you know, the, like in the comic book, he's a, he's a scientist walking around. And he grabs the hammer and he turns into Thor, and we're gonna see all that shit. So, right. I guess my fear with the Spider-Man movie is that while I was excited at the prospect of Marvel getting involved in the movies because Sony didn't seem to know what to do with the property. So I was like, oh yeah, great. We're going to see somebody who knows how to handle Spider-Man. Only... Thank God, right? The Marvel the Marvel way of have, handling Spider-Man is getting him entangled into whatever the bigger story in the Marvel Universe and the Avengers is, apparently. And that's what might actually water down this movie is the over-involvement and his attachment to the bigger story of the Avengers and his ties to Tony Stark and all that, and not just tell the pure Spider-Man story that we want to see. Well, one thing I am looking very much forward to is Marissa Tomei's Aunt May. <sighs> and I, I was going to say You're not supposed to want to fuck Aunt May, right? That's Isn't I, this I, a new I, set I, of conflicting feelings? Care. Never wanted to fuck Aunt May before, the, before uh, I saw her in the... Uh, Oh, uh, Civil War movie. What'd you say? You don't even yeah. care, Marissa, Marissa Tomei, not your type. Me? Yeah. No, I'm. I'm hope. I've always been hopelessly in love with her. Oh, okay. I, he's fucking Aunt May. I, That's what he's I saying. I adore Marissa Tomei. I I think she is the most beautiful actor, hands down. Okay, That's right. We can't say actress anymore. I'm. A, MTV told us that the other day. <laughs> so wait a minute. Okay, so no, I just don't. I, on on that on that subject real quick, I just want to. I don't have cable, so I didn't watch it. But and I have not seen a whole lot of clips about it. I've seen articles about it. They just got rid of male actor, female actor, and it's now just best actor. No, they added. No, they, they made a third category. Yeah, they added a third category. Okay, all right. Because I was going to say, I don't really give a fuck one way or the other. Because to me, award shows are kind of they're strange. I don't. Right, the whole concept is weird. I don't know how I feel about giving away awards for art. Let's just put it that way. It just yeah. it's really a popularity contest. Let's call it that. Yeah, and for I would, commerce. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would I would rest easier if they just said, "Hey, this is the most popular thing." It's like when but, my company gives away sales awards. You know, right. we're at least not lying about it. But yeah, um, I was like, boy, they're going to be really cutting if if that's the new trend. That's going to cut down award shows time a whole lot. Right, no, Especially. no, it just adds to them. Okay, <laughs> that's the thing. It, it just draw, it draws attention to the absurdity of the of the whole process, anyway. Because what are you saying now? That okay, so the the award for best actor, regardless of genitalia, goes to blank. Okay, so the other awards that we gave were just based on acting with or without a dick. And on top of that, it, if it's if it's if it's a third award, then shouldn't the female and male winner, the winner, be one of those two? Because those are the two best actors of their of their gender. So I think uh, that's ultimately in the uh, in the concept of fairness. What we will have is we'll go back to two awards under one category, right? Hey. So it'll be the award, regardless of gender goes to a male and a female. <laughs> hey, this is a new America, all right? This is where we try not to put people in boxes by creating more boxes. Yeah, everybody, everybody breaks their fucking neck to get labeled. Everybody yeah. wants to be part Don't of something. Don't label me, but here's all of my preferred labels. 
Here's yeah, what you're allowed to call me. Uh, How about person? I, I, huh? How about person? <laughs> when, when, when I heard about that, and then I heard Emma... Uh, oh, shit. Emma Watson. Thank Stone? you. I, oh. I was about to say Stone, but no, it wasn't Stone. Hermione? I was like, okay, so... Is this an award for people who identify as gender neutral in her actors? No, because she that's played, a, no, she played a, something with the role that she played. She played. It was an award for strongest forehead to chin ratio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the award for you made a lot of guys uncomfortable around the 13, 14, 15 year old range. When there were grown <laughs> men watching, watching fucking Harry Potter going, I want to fuck her, but she's still a kid. When does she turn 18? <laughs> and now that she is, you're like, eh. Yeah, man. Hey, man, I forget that movie she was in, but she's on the dance floor licking her lips and shit and shaking it, and she's like, full on an adult, and I'm, I'm not like, buying it. yeah. No, I don't think she's ever not going to look like a little kid to me. No, it's I like when I... I, uh, I don't find her attractive. More, more punching bag material, but I used to watch Full House. It's like when I see the Olsen twins. It's like, eh. I, right. st- I still see the three little I year still- old kids who said, you got it, dude. Yeah, yeah, but they they always looked like little monkeys anyway. Oh, another another okay, another allegory. It's, it's nothing that any, it's radio for three, possibly one. Uh, but uh, my buddy Dave, I've known him since I was in sixth grade. Apparently, his little sister is hot to all of my friends, but I look at her, nothing. You know, she's like thirty two years old right now. Like, I don't know. We were coming up. It was like, oh, Dave, your sister's hot. Look at her, nothing. It's it's that it's, it's that kind of feeling, I guess. So I am with Hermione, the Olsen twins. I came in I came in late to the party on the Harry Potter movies. The one I saw, I think it was like the fifth one. Like, so however old she was during that movie is the first time I remember really seeing her in a movie and going, "Okay, that's uncomfortable." But it's just, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that whole Harry Potter shit can fuck off. I think it all ties back to you knew you saw them when they were little. Yeah. I got you, man. But at the same time, I was not on the, the Olsen qu- twin countdown clock with everybody. Speaking, of, oh no, dude, not my type. Right, it's like ever. even when Macaulay Culkin was strung out on drugs. You're like, but <laughs> you're so little. <laughs> Just put your Why hands on it? the side of your face for old times' what? sake. Come on, buddy. Why is it ten year old? I'm out of heroin. You know. Why does that ten year old look like he's been hanging out with fucking? Like Jim Carroll, what's what's going on here? Is, gotta, is it get strung out? You got to remember, man. He's hanging out with Michael Jackson. All right, he's seen some things, man. Yeah, oh, always had some things done to him. He's seen some. He's seen some. Seen some things. Right. He's no, seen man. the uh, the fabled speckled pecker. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the spotted. Right, and they dick. weren't going bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, uh, Full House, the uh, the middle girl. I saw a preview when they put it on Netflix. And I saw her like in a like a premiere in a dress, and I was like, "I wonder how I know that." All right, cool. Damn, that's right over there. I mean, dude, I was like, "Damn, she she grew the fuck up." I don't even barely remember her as a child actor, though. So I, I, wow. I watch the previews on Netflix for Fuller House. I'm like, I can't do it. Like this shit about, looks gay. What about what? Okay, but what about like growing up when we were kids? Like like the Hunky Brewster. Gay. Oh, she got, they had. She got, it's so great that they had to stop the show because her tits got too big. That is literally, if you look up on Wikipedia and shit, like that is why they had to stop doing Punky Brewster. That was not a I part mean, of the deal. <laughs> I mean, okay, Alyssa Milano. 
She's not that much older than us. So when we were kids, she was a kid. You oh. telling me you don't think she's hot because you saw her when she was a kid? Oh, that was you, that, well, no, that's different. You grew up with her. That was my first celebrity crush. It's right. like, hey, man, I'm 10, you're 12. This could, ha- this could happen. But it's consistently <laughs> appropriate. Yes. But full. But no, I see where you're, you're coming from. At Full House, you saw it as an adult, and we're like, those qu- twins are creepy. Yeah. And then it's not like, so you can't ever get that out of your head. There's, it, it's almost like, well, it's like... Like when guys who never had kids say, "Well, isn't it going to be weird having a daughter?" And then she like gets boobs and stuff. And then what if you find yourself checking out your daughter? You're not going to because she's your daughter, right? You are almost blind to that shit. There's, there's because they haven't understood. There's a difference between when you look at your daughter, you may go, <laughs> "Where the fuck you think you're going wearing that?" Uh uh-uh. uh, uh uh. Go put some clothes on. Right. Versus, damn. Because they only know the damn part of looking at a at a woman, right? They, like, they, they don't know the they don't know the part of like part, twelve years. Oh no, I have a penis. You're not leaving the house like looking like that. Yes, right, you are Trump, twelve years old wearing Daisy Dukes. I don't think so. Right, Trump wants to say some legitimately nice things about how beautiful his daughter is, but he can't do it without sounding like a weird creep. Oh, it's so weird. It's so, that is so fucking. It's it so is, fucking creepy, that man. Is weird. Because, dude, he doesn't even talk about what is it, Tracy, his other kid. You are. I know oh, Tiffany. Yes. Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah. Tiffany that's, the one. that's man. That's the black sheep of that fucking crew right there. He's like, that's the one. Shit. If you'd have been a miscarriage, I wouldn't have been upset. That's I Marla mean, Maples, kid. That's the Marla Maples spawn, right? It's Tiffany. You know that? Hey, hey, that. But, yeah. She well, doesn't you know, like Marla Maples. Never. No, that's why. That's why he's ashamed what? of her. It's like the one American woman he's knocked up. Also that in her name, because, you know, Tiffany used to be this great brand, but, you know, it's, it's really gone <laughs> belly up since, so, like, what can you do? Failing Tiffany's? Yeah, failing to, you know, when I, yeah, it was, a, it was a classy place when I named my daughter that. Now, it's my new fun adjective to add to everything. Now I might as well Failing Christopher Media. Oh, my God. We're only, we're three months in, man. Jesus Christ. It sucks. I know. In ways, it feels like it's been, like, a year almost. I know, man. Three months yeah. feels like three years. Time moves at the t- time moves at the pace that we are used to, but then when you start thinking about Trump, it's like someone just just hit the brake. The Democrats <laughs> time is put, moving so slowly. The Democrats haven't put together more than eight years in a row since fucking um, FDR. Think about that one. Like Republicans, we got what? We got twelve in what the eighties uh, and early nineties with mm-hmm. Reagan and Bush. Come on, Democrats, yep. let's get it. To- <laughs> I'm not down with all your ideologies, but I don't know. You need, well, you need somebody I better. We'll, I, I predict that we'll, by the time we're all watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in theaters, Trump will be out of office. I was talking to Aaron the other day. Like The only ideologies the right has for me anymore is the small government thing. Like Everything else... They can't even do that right. I am off the island, just, man. It's I am, all talk. You can delete me from your... I unsubscribe like to everything else. Like... Right, and to them, reducing the size of government means stop investing in the people and funnel all that money into tax breaks for the rich and the military. I don't love Jesus and guns as much as you do. I do think at some point you got to help the poor out. You know, tell it, suck it up, buttercup only goes so far with some people. Like, there's, you know, ugh. Like, it's just the fact that we have a reality TV star as our president. It still blows my mind he's going to be taught in schools. What's he, number 45? 
Uh, as a cautionary tale. Yeah, <laughs> no, right. I mean, who's the biggest fuck up president before Trump? W. I mean, in all. Of I remember America, he was a demon. He was a war criminal. Yeah, but 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 Clinton suffered a lot more scandal than than Bush did. I mean, he's the biggest fuck up president since Nixon, and he might top him. You know what? You know what it is. You know what it is with Bush, especially with his post, you know, presidential tour of places and showing his shitty paintings and his aw shucks bullshit down south. Good, you know, home home style charm. I thought this when he was in office, and I th- I I think it even more now after all that shit. He is. He was just a fucking puppet, man. He was just a figurehead. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, he, if honest to God, I now that I, I like I've recently watched the movie W again for the first time in a couple of years, and I was like, I wonder how true this is that he would have just been happy being commissioner of baseball. Right. <laughs> like that's all he wanted to do, and he just was like, you know, Jeb Jeb had been groomed. His you know his family had this you know, low history. Energy. Lineage, you know, lineage, and then here comes Bush, kind of. Uh, uh, oh shit! Uh, I kind of looked into this one, you know, and he just went with the flow. I mean, I don't even. I don't at this point. I don't even know how many like bad decisions to lay at his feet, because did he was he? <laughs> you can't tell me he was aware of all the ins and outs, and he and you know all the dotted eyes and, and cross T's of everything his administration right, did. Right. There's you, no way I believe that. Is it not he a, was told you're going to run for president, and this is your cabinet. Is it not an indicator to anyone that there have been several people throughout the last few weeks slash months defending Richard Nixon? You know, talking about oh how he started the EPA and shit. Like, come on, everybody! Like, you know, well, the, big, the biggest irony I, with Nixon I don't know if that, Trump could get his head out of his ass enough to do one good thing. I would give him credit for it. I wouldn't. It wouldn't excuse treason, but. <laughs> Whatever. The one thing I was, I was, if I had to bet on Trump doing that, I thought he would do, that I would go, okay, I'm all right with that. Is to further the separation between church and state, and he has absolutely not done that. He's no. he's doubled down on the pandering. Hey, and if, me, it's, if, it's so fucking, it's so insincere. I don't know how anyone can look at that and think he's being fucking sincere at all. I will legitimately applaud him if. He and Chris Christie actually managed to make a dent in the opioid crisis in this country. Well, I, I mean, don't see that as happening, though, because, you know, well, we were talking about this on the Weedsman. At the same time that, that uh, Chris Christie is saying that the opioid crisis is a scourge in our nation, he's also saying that, that cannabis is a scourge in our nation as well. Well, yeah. But we've seen statistically in states where they have legal cannabis programs, opioid abuse goes down. I, the way I kind of look at that, if he does bumble his way into slowing it, or at least, or not, and if not altogether halting it, but slowing the epidemic, I'll give him credit for. But I'm only going to give him credit in the same way I gave Bush credit with the with the uh, anti-rape prison le- legislature he put in not into law. The only reason he did it is because it was costing private prisons a ton of money to take care of inmates due to sexual violence. Right. And so they implemented stricter punishments and, and you know, okay, if you're a guard and you turn a blind eye towards this and it's found out later, that's your ass, motherfucker. 
because it was costing them money. He did the right thing for and tried to say, I'm doing this for because we care about our prisoners. They're still citizens. No, you don't. It's costing the wrong people money. So I'm wondering how they're going to ask backwards, fix this opioid problem if they do, <laughs> because it won't be for the fucking addicts out there. They're not going to give it. They don't give a single shit. They don't care. Well, people with drug offenses can't vote, especially especially felons with drug offenses. They don't care about their fucking vote. You know, speaking of Chris Christie also, he was mentioned for a brief moment as a possible FBI director to oh <laughs> replace my God. Comey. Um, although one person whose name seems to be remaining on the short list is Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, boy. Stooge. I'm going to tell you what. Giuliani, I could see in that position because the people who loved what he did with New York as far as cleaning up Times Square, right? Except, you know, the, the, the broken window policy he implemented for the police, they love him. I mean, they love him. They he, they see him as like the savior of that fucking city. And I mean, you can't you can't argue that it, it worked. What, okay, but here's the Times Square. Here's the thing. Oh yeah, did it did really change keep did the it, trains on time? Did it really change anything, or did it just move it out of sight? Because I'm I guarantee you, it's been it's been two decades since I've been to New York State. And through New York City, period. I guarantee you, you turn off the touristy areas, you're still seeing people pissing and shitting on the streets. They're just not doing it in Times Square no more. Uh, yeah. Who are you talking to? For sure, for sure man. I mean, it, it, I don't give that, I don't count you, I don't count that in a win column for someone if they just push the fucking, the, the, the eyesores a little bit further down a couple blocks. That's, No. I mean, like, has, has, have crime rates gone down? Have assaults gone down? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, and, ultimately, what's New York doing that's any different than what L.A. is doing? They're both just kind of huddling them into one place where they can kind of control them and then go, <laughs> if you've got any better ideas, we'd like to hear it. Oh, man, out west, homeless problems pretty bad, man. Like, it's, especially but yeah, up but, in... But it's more, it's more accepted and out in the open and talked about but ultimately, it's no different than what's going on in New York. See, I don't know. know. To be honest with you, I, I didn't. I never spent enough time in New York City to get a grasp of their homeless issue. But having lived not that far from Daytona Beach, I can tell you, at least in the mid '90s when I lived there, there was a huge problem with teenagers being homeless in that area. I mean, I'd say in, in at least the Portland area, even in the suburbs at the Seven Eleven, there's homeless people hanging out, hitting you up. I mean, it's a lot of it out west too. Is a lot with the the climate, and that's why it's a lot of the reason why it's popular. And too, and the you you get a little bored of the liberal attitudes with the municipal governments. But I mean, it's mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing well, a tent city in Hollywood uh, when I was staying there, like back in two thousand five. Uh, would uh, we had to walk past one to go to the Ralphs? Right. Well, I guess that's a. I guess what I'm getting at is, like, New York had this change, you know, where, like, Times Square is cleaned up now, and, you know, you can take your family there, and you're not going to step on a dirty needle. And, but what really happened is New York just started doing what every other major city already did, which is managed to shuttle most of its homeless people off into the more remote areas of the city, so they can have a nice strip. They can have their 
Hollywood Boulevard, their uh, Sunset Avenue or whatever, their their strip on in Vegas. You know, your your downtown Woodward uh, in Detroit. You have your yeah, you have your place shit. where every or people can come in from outside of the city, see a show, see some sports, spend some money, and then leave and never really see the rest of the city where all the problems are. So, what does it really mean to clean up New York City? You managed to carve out a place that people could visit, which is the same thing that L.A. does and Detroit does and Houston does and fucking every major city in the U.S. does. They all deal with homeless problems and they all manage to maintain a, a nice downtown tourist-friendly area. Well, the problem Even is... Even Detroit that does. If you... Ship to Jersey. If you, if you basically herd people out of the areas that you want to attract, you know, tourists, families, suburbanites, whatever the fuck. If you herd them into a different area, I don't really see that as a problem. The problem is, is that there's nothing done once you have them moved out of that space. There's no outreach programs down there. There's no there's no nothing to, to, to go, okay, we got you out of this situation. Now we're going to, you know, but look, you got to get the fuck out of here. Sorry, but, you know, here's here's something to help you. There's nothing. They just go, move on, just keep moving. Yeah, they're keep relocating going, the problem. They're not trying to solve it. Guys, this, this right. blew my I mean, mind. Look, nobody wants, the, nobody wants people shooting up in the parks in their cities. Everyone can agree that we would like to keep them open and safe for people to enjoy. Uh, but, yeah, I... I don't know. I, it, well, no city, I'll, I'll, no city has a solution for this. Like this finger pointing of like, well, you know, New York might have cleaned up his image, but it's only because they cracked down on their homeless population. What? A, okay, so what have you done, LA? That's so much better. Gave him tents. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You sound like a setup anywhere. That's what we did. Well, something that something that blew my mind was, you know, two years ago when I moved to Redford was the amount of panhandlers either on the Redford-Detroit border, but they were always on the Redford side of Telegraph, or into Redford, sometimes even into parts of Livonia, over near like Seven Mile Middle Belt. And that's just something 10, 15, 20 years ago you didn't see. And apparently it's because... Detroit is so bad that even the panhandlers don't feel safe panhandling in Detroit. That's not an indicator to anybody. I mean, you know, so they go to the the immediate cities bordering Detroit and panhandle because they don't have to worry about getting robbed or getting, you know, and I'm like, so, so you're not even worried about the police. And they're like, please. And I was trying to tell somebody out west. They're talking about, you know, we get in this conversation. Hey, where are you from? I'm from Detroit. Oh, hey, Detroit's coming back. And I go, yeah, kind of. You know, you get your people live in neighborhoods first. You know, and then I just tell them, that, you know, the stuff that we hear all the time. Like, it don't even matter if the house is occupied or not. You know, the stories you hear all the time about people leave the house, they come back, the scrappers got it. You know, so it's... Well, yeah, all that. Yeah, that's that's not even well, that's not even a remote experience. That happens on a day to day basis. It, 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 it all boils down to it's, it's, you got issues that you have to try to solve, not try to move or cover up. Well, right, and and if we're trying to solve the an issue like homelessness, I mean, we can't even if we just look at the facts of this. What's the number one cause of homelessness in America? If you were to boil it down to one thing, it's mental illness. 
You want to talk about drug addiction? It's a lot of mental illness. You want to talk about, you know, can't hold down a job, pushes their family away. There's a lot of mental illness in there. It all goes back to healthcare and how we handle mental illness. And we want to talk about how fucked up the healthcare system is in this. We've, we haven't seen it ever in this country decent healthcare that actually puts a priority on mental health. While we can understand that like our brains are the center of everything, we still don't understand that there is the same, the same way that you should, uh, you know, eat right to keep your heart healthy, not drink yourself to death and kill your liver, you know, uh, do, do, do like basic things like brush your fucking teeth so your teeth don't fall out. But the idea of keeping our brains healthy so that everything, all the rest of our body that relies on our brain to control it can operate and do what it needs to do and that we can just be successful in society. So we don't have uh, a high esteem of, of mental health care in this nation at all and not even an acceptance of that as being a solution to a good portion of our homeless problem that comes from people who are so depressed that they turn to drugs and the drugs destroy their lives and they end up on the street. They're so depressed they don't even know how to relate to their family or show up on time for for a job so they get alienated from society. They're so depressed because they went overseas and were told to shoot people and that's all they see when they close their eyes and then probably then turn to drugs. And then homelessness. Bring back I mean, to the veterans. How many is, of the homeless are veterans? This is all mental, mental illness. Care. Right. Exactly. So, Well, it's also, there's, there's a, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I just ran across an article when I was in a click hole about a lot of the local youth and state homes that were in, that are in, in Michigan, in Wayne County, you know, primarily, and a couple of them I'd been in. And so I was like, oh, let me read this article. And it's amazing that these were, when I, a lot of the, a lot of the ones that I w- was in at the time weren't owned by major corporations. It was either privately funded, uh, you know, had some state funding, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then, you know, all these abuse cases came. There was turnover from the top down. I mean, people were fired completely entire. And, you know, entire front offices were fired, entire groups of staff were fired, and these corporations came in and bought them all up. And when they bought them up, they also bought up a lot of the mental health facilities around here in Detroit, one of which being Aurora, which is uh, off of Martin Luther King Boulevard in Detroit. Aurora has served everything from children to adults for years and years and years and years. And they had to shut it down because of the mismanagement and the fact that, okay, well, now we're running it for a corporation. It's for profit. So they literally had one psychiatrist on staff for 150 patients. And the way they started dealing with patients is they chemically sedate them to a state of just, you know, duh, to where they just sit and watch TV in the day room all day. And they weren't getting any help. And, you know, yeah, is it 20 years ago, it was physical abuse, sexual abuse, I guess mental abuse is, if, if you get those two, mental abuse isn't far behind. Now it's just complete, just, okay, we're just housing them. We're just moving them from one place to the other. That's it. There, there's, there's no help. 
I mean, even if you even if someone who realizes they have a mental issue, mental health issue, they fought to get into the place. They did all the hoop jumping they were told to do. They get in there, and all they're offered is here's some Ativan, here's a Valium. Shut the fuck up and go watch TV. How does that help these people? It doesn't. So even like it just it's even when you can finally get help, you're not getting true help. I mean, think about that. One psychiatrist for 150 patients. Yeah. How the right. th- and you're almost if, you, if I asked you to teach a class for two hundred and fifty people, one teacher we would go, that's impossible. Ratio seems a little off. Well also the the fact that most people are getting, you know, Ativan and other just any number of drugs that fuck with your brain chemistry and they're getting this shit from their GPs. I mean, they're doing so because well, that's frankly the cheapest way they can get it. And sure, well, that's- ideally, they would go and have to spend an hour a day talking to a psychiatrist that would come up with a, a plan for them that may or may not involve medication. And, and if so, it would probably involve a period of when you would be on that and wean yourself off of it and not just exactly. go to your general practitioner and say, I'm still feeling lousy. And he's like, well, here you go. Another 90 days for whatever brain drug it is that you're taking already. Seems to be working out for you okay. Because those, the, you'd those have to pay. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I, I was just going to get to my point here real quick, though. Uh, you go to your GP because you can just pay your copay and be done with it. And you have your solution. Even though the better solution, there is a, a probably a better solution, but that involves more of your time, but also a lot more money. Because even if you, your insurance covers some of that, it's not covering the same portion where you can just go to your therapist and, and pay a copay like you would a, a, a general practitioner, at least for the majority of people who have insurance in this country. Well, so also, even if you want to be proactive considered- about your mental health, you have to pay through the nose in order to do so. Yes, because mental is considered separate from health in a lot of uh, insurance plans. It might as well the, be you know, plastic surgery for all they're fucking concerned. You know, they might they might cover. Let's. I'm just throwing numbers out there just to throw them out there. These are no way accurate. I believe. Let's say it covers ninety percent of your of your physical health. Then you know they're only going to cover ten percent of mental. Well, who are you going to go to? Are you going to pay a ninety percent copay and go to a, a therapist and couple? the medication with talk therapy, which is what you're supposed to do, or are you going to go to a general practitioner who can prescribe you the same thing, give them a sob story, and get your medication and pay 10% of what it costs? I mean, that's, that's, part, of the, that's part of the major problem right there. On top of it, uh, because of the, the, the issues I've had with my health, I've had to change doctors three times in the last year. The third doctor I went to, they were like, you know, you better be careful because you look like you're doctor shopping. I said, what the fuck is doctor shopping? And they explained to me that's when people go to different doctors who have insurance, and, they, and if they can't get the, the medications they want, usually, obviously, some sort of pain pills, Xanax, something along those lines, they go on to another doctor. And I'm like, I'm here for blood right. pressure and heart medication. Right. You could do that for, if, if you just wanted to, if you got caught off by one doctor, or if you wanted to heavily abuse the prescription and wanted to, like, double or triple your dose... You'd have to get go to another doctor, or it does get to the extreme point where people doctor shop just to have enough to actually sell. Hey, you got that Lipitor dog? You got that Lipitor? Well, dude, it's ser- I'm serious. My, my one doctor was in Southfield, and when I moved to Garden City, 
I said, why should I drive to Southfield? I was paying out of pocket at that point, so I found a closer doctor. Then my insurance kicked in. Well, this doctor's not in your network, so now you got to get another doctor. And I'm like, okay, that's the reason. I, and I said, look, I have a valid reason. It's all in my medical records. Every time I go to a new doctor, I bring my medical records with me. Here's the test I've had. Here's this. You can see it. And they said, yes, we understand that. And because you aren't here begging for pain pills or benzos or whatever the fuck, that's how come we just said, be careful. You could get that reputation where, you you know, your records transfer. And I say, you've seen five doctors in two years. Why? And I'm like, okay. I mean, but that's the thing. If they're on the lookout for it. (laughs) Exactly. If they're on the lookout for it. That means it happens enough for them to worry about it. This isn't like a, something, that, a remote experience that happens every once in a while. This is probably something they run into on a daily basis. Someone right. trying to fucking crook them out of fucking pain pills. And yeah, you're right. I know, I know quite a few people who get prescriptions for some heavy-duty shit, never take them, have Medicaid, and they subsidize their income by selling those. Because they have a $10 copay and they get 30, 60 pills, whatever, and they sell them at five bucks a pop. It's still cheaper than people are going to pay if they don't have insurance. So, I mean, yeah, you said it. Bottom line is, system's fucked up. You know, the healthcare system's all jacked up. We, we, we've talked about it before. We don't treat, we don't prevent, we don't want to prevent things. We want to treat things after they've gotten to a certain point. Instead of, hey, look, if we just did a little bit of work on the front end, we wouldn't have to do all this work on the back end. Why is it the only industry where you're allowed to price gouge? Like, that's the, yeah. that's what I don't understand. Like, trust well, me, I got, I got I my think, foot in the camp of it's a product, but my problem is it's like, why are you allowed to charge $32 for two Tylenol? That's why, why is I, it? Yeah. Like, that's my beef. Like, why are you allowed to do that shit? Well... Uh, that's that's part of the reason why I think that while it may be a long struggle in this country, we ultimately are going to land on a single-payer plan because once we kind of make it invisible where we're paying for it with our tax dollars, we just not, don't have to look at the bill, then we're not so worried about the price gouging. I mean, we've seen that happen with the military. You know, it was... Shit, what is it, like 25 years ago now where they had, uh, I can't even remember how much the hammer was that they used in the example, but it was oh, like... The, a, hammer, a, the, the hammer and the toilet seat, those were the two... Uh, right, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Was it like a 60 Minutes yeah. story or something like that or a front line or something? I, I want to say it was like a $600 hammer. <laughs> right, it was some outrageous price that the mili- yeah. military yeah. had paid for this hammer or this toilet seat. Yep. That motherfucking hammer better be the hammer of Thor for all that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Shit. Right. So, I mean, none of that has gone away. Sure, they may have found a way to spread it around some more so you, nobody can look up the bill and see how much you're actually paying for any of this shit. $640 toilet seat, a $7,600 coffee maker, $37 screws. Was this from the original story? Or is it it's recent? from the DVD? L.A. Times from 1986. Wait a minute. A $76? Sh- holy shit. $7,600 $7, coffee maker. $7,622 $7, coffee maker. That is... Okay, in 1986, <laughs> it's just cheaper to hire a fucking secretary to make your coffee for you. Yeah. And pay her a yearly salary. <clears throat> that is insanity. 
or pay him a yearly salary, whatever the fuck. Right. So obviously or, we're fine with military, that. If it's the military, assign someone to that position. Boom. But, There's but right. plenty of people who just push paper around in the military, and that's all they do. So, so the same shit is still going on in the military, and obviously we're fine with it as American people because we don't say shit about it anymore. Two hundred fourteen dollars flashlight. Whatever move, look, whatever money you need for whatever, we just trust you. Just do it. Keep us safe, Daddy. How much and did you say, Chris, for a flashlight? Two hundred fourteen dollars. A four hundred thirty-seven dollar tape measure. This is thirty years ago dollars, people. <laughs> I'm telling you. If I pay that much for a flashlight when I turn it on, I better be able to see into the fucking future with that right. fucking a thing. A $387 flat washer. Right. So that's why I think that's where we're going to end up with health Holy shit. A like, $74,000, 160, $74,165. Anybody? 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 Aluminum ladder. This is in nineteen eighty six dollar money. I'm stop military grade aluminum ladder. Is, yeah, it is. Is it, what do they have? Like fifteen a Gilbert grapes mother on top of that fucking thing. Like, know, what, right? what, how much weight can that fucking thing hold? Do you, how much weight do you need it to hold? This is from the L.A. Times from July thirtieth, nineteen eighty six. Everybody. No, Ooh, I agree with you. I agree with you, Aaron. As soon as so, uh, single payers coming, it's inevitable. Right, so we can just yeah, think, let, let us have let us take care of us. Okay, ultimately, daddy government, please just take care of us and take the money that you need and do that and don't tell us about anything else because we're not really concerned about Going it. Going to the emergency room shouldn't fuck up your life for the next decade. Right. I want to fly without fear. I want to be able to go to the doctor and then go home and watch American Idol. I know I don't ask for that'll much. be on ABC. It's coming back. Apparently. Oh Jesus Christ! What was it? What was? What was the fucking Let it die, uh, Bill man. Hicks skit? What was? The, yeah, what was the Bill Hicks skit? Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan dies in a helicopter crash. Yet we can't get John C- Bon Jovi yeah. still walks the earth. We can't get Seacrest near a helicopter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Really? I mean, someone put a fucking brain in, or a bullet in the brain of that zombie show. All right. Did you, Chris? Did you watch the? Uh, Season three, April Fool's episode of Rick and Morty. Uh, did not. Oh, okay. It's just I don't know. I don't even know why I brought it. It's a, there's a funny joke in there, but it's kind of a more visual thing. But the aliens are trying to extract the brain the, out of his brain the plans for the teleporter that he invents, and they do so by putting him in this like kind of uh, um, danger room type of thing. Or uh, anyway. They so he he directs them to they're like traveling across his virtual brain. He's like, see, there's a there's the plans right there. That's why I made the teleporter right there in between uh, my first kiss and where I was on nine eleven. <laughs> like they show him making out with the chick on one side, and on the other side, he's like in his living room, like yelling at the TV and like grabbing his hair and like, oh my god, but. <laughs> As they're walking away from the scene, you catch a little bit of his dialogue as he's yelling at the TV, and he's like, you're going to use it as an excuse to take away our rights. Like, that's what, it, that's what he's yelling about on 9-11. And I'm like, I identify with that. Like, I didn't say it out loud. That wasn't my first thought. My first thought was, oh, the tragedy. But, yeah, in the back of my head, there's the little man. There's a little Rick yelling 
they're going to use this to take away your rights. Oh, if 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 you want to read a piece of prof- prophecy that's been overlooked, uh, look up Hunter S. Thompson's article that he wrote on nine eleven and published on the twelfth, and just read it and just shake your head at how much of he what he said came to pass. Oh, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean it's he, this is a man who basically was like, "This is what's going to happen." He he basically and I called can't out stand to watch it. <laughs> He called out the Patriot Act before we knew it was the Patriot Act, so he didn't name that. But he called Afghanistan, yeah. he called Iraq, all of that, the day after. Man. Right, and not so, because he could see the future, but because he knew the past. Exactly. See, that's one of the things I was having a discussion with someone about. They said, you can. I, we were talking about trust and how you trust people and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I treat a lot of people like I treat the government. I trust them to act like them. And if you do that... You'll find yourself let down a lot less. Once you know what they're capable of, once you know their patterns, you just expect them to do that, and most of the time you won't be let down. And so this was just a guy who had just been like, oh, I've seen right. this movie before. Hey, whether you Did like it or not, reliable something you can work with at least. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I guarantee we all know and have known and possibly maybe at one point been this person when we go to work there's a person at work who you're like, you don't really, you're not a top performer. You bring nothing really to the table, but goddamn, you're reliable. You're here every day and you're on time. And whatever we tell you to do, you do. You just right. don't knock it out of the park. Right, but we know you're, what we can throw at you and what to expect as a result. Yes, you're, you're a consistent hit, hit, uh, singles hitter. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. That's, that's me know. at work right now, actually. Well, I mean, it, you're Peter it happens. Then. You're working hard enough to just not get fired? Well, no, no, not not in like I'm not motivated. Like I'm only half-assing it. I don't know. I guess I, I just feel that way because I'm still in that mode where there's I haven't. I'm not a full designer yet, so I get a lot of busy work and modify this file and send it to somebody. Hey man, it's doing something. Yeah, no, no, I'm not complaining. I still have like the best job I could have thought I would have ended up with. Dude, you ended up in you ended up in a, with a desk. Yeah. You, you did it. It's an open <laughs> office, but it's a desk. I just sit at a hey, computer all day. My biggest I, I problem my, is fucking that wrist thing, you know. Uh, what do they call tunnel. it? Yeah, you get the carpal, carpal tunnel, tunnel from the mouth. Masturbating too much. Right. <laughs> well, I, I told my little brother this when he was uh, still in high school, and he was talking about, didn't know if he wanted to go to college. I said, you know what college is? He said, what? I said, it's a way you buy your way out of blue-collar work for the most part. Yeah. Do you really want to bend over and pick up heavy shit for the rest of your life? No. You better go to fucking get a piece of paper that yeah. says good enough to sit at a desk and rise to mental management. Because you're, right. you're, you're early 30s, your body starts going, hey, guess what, guess what we can't do as good as we used to do. And considering his health issues in his mid-20s, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if physical labor in him would have, would have even gotten <laughs> to the 30s. That's, yeah, so. Right. What, you know, yeah, I mean... If you're not dealt a winning hand, you're not going to last long in, in, in a back-breaking profession as far as health goes. And you got health issues, you're a liability. They'll cut you in a heartbeat. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, I, I think no matter how much one loves one's job, uh, it's always a little bit of the grass looks greener on the other side. I mean, I was driving to work, listening to the radio, and there's a story about I don't know, they were interviewing some park ranger and he was pointing out some birds or some dumb shit. And I was like, man, 
I wish I was going to that guy's job today. And this is a nice day out. I just could put on some khaki shorts and that stupid hat and just go walk around the woods. That sounds pretty cool. I'm yeah. going to go sit in an air-conditioned office and stare at a computer screen all day. You know, someone's got to go Sucks. measure how much, uh, you know, the blizzard dumped at that particular ranger <laughs> station at some point. Just remember that. Right. And uh, But yet I'm sure there's, there's days where the park ranger gets up Puts his boots on and is like, man, fuck this job. Just stand out in this fucking sun. A bear shit in the ranger station. Someone's got to clean it up. Right. <laughs> they got assholes coming in from the city. They don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. And Yeah. You know, well, I wish I could just go and sit at a computer and just do that all day instead. I always get I get the the news alerts from the stations out west, so I can kind of know what's going on out there. And there's always some like in the summertime, they're always rescuing some asshole hiker <laughs> from somewhere in the Columbia Gorge or in the Cascades. If I, dude, if that was my job, the first time I rescued someone, I'd look at him and go, "Look here, asshole! They're not going to make a movie of your life starring James Franco. Stop getting lost in the woods." <laughs> yeah, like, you know. what the fuck's wrong with you? They got to do that. Danny Boyle isn't Danny Boyle isn't signed on to direct asshole. This isn't cinematic. This is a pain in my ass. Deal some dipshit who left their cell phone in their car or didn't right. bring an external battery. Lifetime <laughs> is not calling for your story. Yeah, this is. Uh, I yeah. <laughs> I, what was that movie that everyone? It was uh, Into the Wild about the the guy who like lived off the grid and all this stuff, and then he ended up being stuck in an area he couldn't get out of, and he ate some berries, and he had misread his book. He had a book on what was safe to eat and what wasn't, so he ended up poisoning himself to death. And then they found him weeks later, and you know everyone's like, everyone when that movie came out, everyone's like, oh, it's such a sad story. And I'm like, guy was a fucking idiot, man. I don't, if you want to go live in the in the wild, you better prepare yourself. I mean, yeah. no, he came from he came from money and he read a few books. That's good enough. I had a couple no. of friends in high school who had to get themselves rescued from the Grand Canyon. <laughs> they never hiked before, and they were going to do like an intermediate trail. Yeah, they had to have some people come down and fucking get them. Like they got to the bottom, they're like, "We're not getting back up." <laughs> Talk about we're going to die down here and like meaning it and shit. <laughs> I mean, I, the whole I, thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, seriously, man, I, in today's age where people, some people won't go to a restaurant until they read like, you know, five or six Yelp reviews of it. There's really no, no reason for someone who comes from, uh, you know, American culture to put themselves in a situation like that. Besides they didn't plan enough. I mean, let's be honest here. I'm not saying let them die, but Call him a dumbass after you rescue him at once or twice at least. Dude, they're, you're, they're 19 and 20, man. Alert that age. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, you'll figure it out. That's your, that's your general mindset in 19 and 20, right? Like, whatever, I can do this shit, and if not, I'll figure it out. By the way, the mention of the Grand Canyon reminded me of John Oliver's show on Sunday. <laughs> that was probably my favorite part when he was talking about how he doesn't want to hear any excuses that nobody has time to go to the FCC website to complain against their possible ruling against net neutrality because there were people who had time. It was like 37 of you had time to go to the Grand Canyon, had time to review the Grand Canyon on Yelp and give it a <laughs> negative review, and 22 of you found that review helpful. <laughs> oh, no, what was there? Oh, yeah, no, what was it? It was something about... Uh Oh, God, what was it? 
It's something dumb, not as big as I thought it would be here. Or no, it was something about like uh, something about wolves or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, there's like a wolf in the name. Yeah, something like there's no wolves here at all. And then there's yeah, okay. people who found that review helpful. <laughs> so, yeah, we're both chasing down the same joke. But yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh man. Rich, this is like twice in two weeks. We are on podcasts that are going to be the longest ones ever. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. We had a three and a half hour sporgy a couple I, weeks I ago. I really caught my second wind. Yeah. Yeah, even with the editing, this one's going to be probably three and a half hours, I imagine. Yeah. Here you sure go, is. buddy. Supersized. We still, haven't, tell you. we still haven't reached the seven hour. Conan projection booth one. That's that's <laughs> something that like I have to take a day and plan a lunch around. Like I got to punch out for my break and punch back in if I'm going to listen to that. That is seven hours about Conan the Barbarian. Production dash booth dot com. Check that out. It's, it's available there and iTunes. Maybe depending a, on how big their feed is. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think they went almost three hours on Bamboozled. Oh, so, yeah. So I was like, "Oh shit! If you could do three hours on Bamboozle, you oh, know." Oh yeah, Mike White. He just he he tries to interview anybody that's involved with the film somehow, and two, and then just he gets a whole bunch of other. If you're a film nerd, like check that shit out. You know, if you're looking for a review of the latest Guardians of the Galaxy film, ain't the podcast for you. But if you love cult films, stuff like that, check them out. Well, I just did a commercial for the projection booth. Yeah, so I think check. if you, if you're somebody who. Lo- loves movies, not just loves going to the movies. It's seven if hours on Conan the Barbarian, people. If you're somebody who just loves the medium in general, and can and wants wants to hear it broke down and dissected, seven hours. That means they have to cut it down. They no, edit I mean, heavily. Like like seriously, there's there's some podcasts I listen to, and they get they pick one subject and they go deep into it. And if it's especially if it's a movie or something, I've noticed this in, in the projection booth. They start coming at it from different angles than your most. I would say most people bother to think about. And once they kind of shine a light in that corner, you go, "God damn! Why did I never think about that?" So it's hey, <laughs> it's it's a podcast. If you like to think and you like movies, it's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. You're not going to be let down. You're not going to be let down. And I don't walk around like blowing the network and blowing ourselves very often because <laughs> I feel like no matter what I say, it's I'm shilling for something. Yeah, I think it's tainted. But I honestly, I honestly enjoy that podcast, so I'll, I'll honestly give it a recommendation. Yeah. If I didn't, I wouldn't say anything. Richard rated five stars on iTunes. Like you should rate this podcast and leave a review. That's how. That's honestly, when you're checking out a new podcast, at least for me, that's one of the first things I go to is the reviews. Have you guys have you guys hit a point where you just start looking for the lowest rated podcast and start listening to them as a goof? No, no, but it, yeah, that is an interesting experiment. I try that. It's, I'm finding that the lower the stars are, it usually has to do with production values. And there's some questionable podcasts with high ratings. You start a podcast called the One Star Podcast. Values. Right. I, I imagine your one star ratings are going to be the ones that sound more like conference calls. Yeah, like there's one I told Chris, it literally sounded like a guy took a string, two cans, 
put one end in the toilet and a microphone in there and started talking through the other end. Because I was like, how do you have staticky and like a gurgling sound on your microphone at the same time? Like, <laughs> no, right. it, was, it was just like, those are two things that seems like they would not be in the same area of each other. Uh, you're but. recording this through a Motorola Razor? Seriously, man. I don't know, it was shocking. So I really shouldn't talk shit because... Iceman's mic on Sporgy is the, great, the greatest of time, so... <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we make it sound I, good. Well, I don't know, but I mean, you know, every once in a while, I like to hear what the Canadian geese outside his window have to say about the subject, so, yeah. you know. We do what we can Direct. here, people. All right? D- DIY, right? We're punk rock, right? That's what I'm going for. That's what we'll go for. I feel like John Lovitz right now. Yeah, that's a ticket. That's the ticket. Thanks, everybody who's listening to subscribe on iTunes or Android. You can do that at ChristopherMedia.net. You just go there, take care of it there. You just go to ChristopherMedia.net, take care of it. You need to play on the front page, share it on Facebook, on Twitter at UnregimentedPod. Email the show, unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. Numbers go up. I'm not lying. April, best month ever. We got a, we got a, we got a ways to go in May. Not a ways to go. It's, it's looking good, but it's out there. And I see the, the numbers every Saturday, too. I see who's getting it automatically when we upload it. Keep doing it. You're sharing the love. You're liking it. Apparently, we had to resurrect this one. The world went insane. We couldn't take it no more. I had to come back. And, you know, we were almost a year into it being back. And thanks for the love. So, with that all being said, we'll catch you next week. See ya. Later, guys. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.